was recently thinking about like you know how Scott Snyder used Death of Death of the Family. Uh-huh. What would like other titles be that use older titles? Like No Man's Land would be the Land of No Man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or Fall and, of the Night. Yeah. yeah, Fall of the Night or Fall Night, Night of the Fall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be a fun game to play. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My name is Tim, and I love Star Trek. Podcast. This is episode number 32, right, Tim? You got it. And you remember the new title, too. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, the the problem is, is if I can remember our slogan. Uh, well, um, Terrence, the one Terrence created that we have to patent. <laughs> yeah. If you're uh, listening to a Batman podcast, it's probably not us. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Listening to a Batman podcast, it's probably not us. But we are the Bat Fans Without Pants podcast. This is the very first 30-second episode that we've done. And, uh, Tim, I have to ask you, since this is our first official show with our new name, are you wearing pants? I can safely say, no, I'm not. I'm wearing shorts. <laughs> Are you wearing anything below the waist? Yes, I'm wearing cargo shirts, so. <laughs> okay. So I'm not wearing pants, Tim. Oh, so you're really going with it then. <laughs> yes, I'm a character actor, Tim. If I say it's Batman's without pants, you need to go without pants. Well, doesn't shorts count? Because technically not pants. Uh, pants, shorts, it's the same difference. It covers. The lower part of your body. <laughs> um, but, uh... <laughs> I the ball. You're going to transition from that one, huh? <laughs> okay, yeah, I can't segue from bad friends about pants to, or talking about no pants or, uh, <laughs> to, to uh, introducing you. But, Tim, we have, we have you with us, Tim. Yes, I'm here. Uh, it's not an imposter, Tim? It is not. But I feel yeah. that, I, like I said yesterday, I have to officially, to all the listeners, tip my hat to you and your Oakland A's as they just swept Thank the New York you. Yankees. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that feels so great, Tim. Let me just bask in this moment for a second. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and to win it. And to win it after an 18-inning game, or the final game of the series. <laughs> you like that, right? But why did Girardi send in Rivera? Road game now. Road game in the 18th inning. That's what I don't get. Neither do I. <laughs> I guess he felt there was that 
was Oakland's best chance to score, and he wanted his best pitcher on there in, like, typical Rivera fashion. He doesn't give up hard hits. He just gives up blue broken bat singles. <laughs> They're not good hits by the hitters, but they just find a place and they win the game. <laughs> oh, man. But, but that was the second 18-inning game that the A's have been in. Yeah, they won both. The was, yeah, the first was the Angels won. Yeah. That was, like, 20 or 19. It was like I think it was nineteen. No, that was eighteen. That was a little longer, but okay. <laughs> oh, you know what? No, that, sorry, that was seventeen. Really, I thought it was longer than the game. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, it was, the se- it was seventeen, but it was kind of a night time game. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yes, I must yeah. give credit where credit is due. Here. Yes, thank you for admitting finally that I am better than you. <laughs> yes, that's, that's what I, it means. <laughs> I am better than you because a group of guys <laughs> beat a group of guys that you like in a baseball game that was played in California. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes me better than you, Tim. Yeah. But thank you for that for admitting that. Uh, not only to me, but uh, to the to the general public. Yes. They officially know. And by general public, I mean ter- I mean uh, Alex. So. <laughs> um. But, uh, Tim, you had a... F- oh, no, wait. Before we get to our future topic, we should say that Terrence is going to join us a little better, I mean, a little later. Um, he His uh, air conditioner busted something, so he had to run to Walmart to get a new part. And he called us while he was on the freeway, or driving, I should say. And it was like he was just on the freeway. Too- <laughs> his car was just way too loud. That's what I don't get. Why, why didn't he roll up the windows? Maybe the air conditioning doesn't work in his car either. So, I mean, it's <laughs> nighttime, right? It's, it's, it's safe like to get five. pretty stuffy in your car, though, without AC. Yeah, yeah, but it's only 10 minutes. So, <laughs> you couldn't suffer through 10 minutes of rolled up windows? <laughs> <laughs> I know some people who can't when it's that hot. Okay, I guess. I guess. I guess it, Terrence gets a pass on this one. You don't want to do a podcast in the heat and uncomfortable. I am right now. The sun <laughs> okay. is shining right in my room. The sun is setting right now. And it's pretty hot right now, Tim. And it's not just me. And I guess that's why you're not wearing any pants. Yes. <laughs> be as cool as you can be. <laughs> I am wearing pants for official record. <laughs> Just in case somebody's like, oh, my God, or somebody emails Dustin, Dustin, uh, you know Dane from the Bad Fans Without Pants podcast? He was actually doing a podcast without pants on. I think you should fire him from the website and from his podcast. You know, Not listen to anyone who does not wear pants on a podcast. <laughs> it's like, how would you know? Like, how would you know? Like, like, let's say you listen to, like, ten podcasts a day. One of those people... Could not be wearing pants. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, speaking of podcasts, you know what I really hate about other podcasts? What's that? You know when the hosts have to like tell people what they're drinking? Like, oh, I'm drinking an ale from, um, you know, Ireland from uh, in a special glass that was made from just the right type of tempered glass. <laughs> That you would find on the space shuttle, you know, it's, it's, it's like who cares, man? Who cares what you're drinking? I guess you won't I mean, be interested in to know that I right now I'm drinking a caffeine-free Coke in a Superman cup. 
But it's like, who cares? I mean, are, are you just trying to look cool? Is it, I mean, is that what you're trying or to do? Cool. That you know your, you, you, you know your beers or whatever. But um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. enough talking about other people's podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, we started off um, right with Star Wars topics and baseball teams and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but you did state for the record, and by the record I mean Alex, and uh, that guy that commented on the last episode. Richie. That, um, oh, is that his name, Richie? Yeah. Oh, hey, Richie, how's it going? How's your day going, or your night, or your afternoon, or your morning? Uh, how's, uh, how's work, or school, or just laying around the house? Don't wait too long for an answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, Tim, you had the featured topic, so let's hear about that. Yes, and Terrence is officially with us, right? <laughs> I'm here. I made it. I, I'm sorry about that, guys, but I'm here. Thank and I don't, hopefully it's in cool temperatures though now. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had I had to go run to Walmart of all places and, and get this thing for the air conditioning. And of course, there was only one line open. And of course, like there was someone in front of me playing the game of like, all right, well, how much money do I have? Okay, I can get that one. I can get that thing. And then, and then my my bill came to eighteen oh two. And of course, I only had a twenty. So then it was like, do you have two cents? And some other person said, I have two cents. Like, oh my god, just. <laughs> I gotta do a podcast. Let's go. <laughs> but I made it. I'm here. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, Terrence, when you were driving, yes. Did you have the windows down? No. You know, I was afraid of that because I think the when you had Cross on the other day, it sounded like he was in his car, and it sounded loud. I don't know, but no, that was. Just a uh, just a minivan, <laughs> so maybe I need to get the engine checked. I don't know, but I had a feeling it would sound terrible. Yeah, your minivan is one of the loudest minivans I've ever heard in my life. I don't know if it's <laughs> yeah. the, the speaker on your phone or whatever, but man, that thing was loud. Yeah, I was afraid of that. <laughs> yeah. Even heard but, the um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we heard the blinker. But but Tim, why don't you tell the good people? And that's how we're going to refer to them as good people about our featured topic. Yeah, so today as we're recording this, what else could the featured topic be? Uh, Man of Steel just came out today. And even though it's not a Batman movie, but it all ties in together. So <laughs> in some way, shape, or form, I'm sure Batman will get mentioned. But uh, just being comic fans in general, we, of course, saw it. And we're, I think we were pretty eager to give our opinions on it to what we thought. Because for me personally, I know I've been waiting for this movie for since it got announced, I think, what, I want to say 2010, when it was first revealed that Nolan was coming back for Dark Knight Rises, and he's going to be the producer of uh, the new Superman movie. And it's like, when I first heard that, I was like, super excited for it. So now it's finally here, and we can talk about it. And I guess I'll go ahead and start off. Just for me personally, I really liked it. Um, I wouldn't say I was blown away like it, that I thought I would be in my anticipation. I know early on it was getting great reviews from a lot of the people in sites I trust. Everyone was raving about it, saying it was really good. But then as the general critic reviews came out, I was kind of getting mixed reviews and everyone saying it's really not that great. So, But I was still going into it with pretty high expectations. For the most part, it was met. It was a really good movie. I enjoyed it. But certain things about it I thought maybe could have been done better. And then, But what I was looking forward to in this movie was the action sequences. Now, I probably won't say that for a lot of movies, but because, you know, stories and characters are what matters most. But 
for a Superman film, I just wanted to see some action that we've never seen Superman do, but know he's capable of doing. And for the most part, that movie delivered, Man of Steel delivered that in space. I mean, the action on it was incredible. The last action sequence, though, that's what really got built up from reviews I was reading. And I, I thought that was a little too short I was, with his fight with Zod. I was expecting it to go on a little longer, but action-wise, that was the only small complaint I had about that sequence. Not as long as I thought it would be, even though it was cool. And I guess, well, we should have said this earlier, but we're going to be going into spoilers about the movie. So, <laughs> but by the time yeah. you're listening about listening to this and you haven't seen it yet, yeah, we're going to be talking about everything on it. So you might not want to listen if you haven't seen the movie yet. But so general impressions, I really liked it. It delivered, and I was looking forward to most the action on it. But even though I still, Henry Cavill was great as Superman. He, the characters were really good. And the story, for the most part, was great. Nothing groundbreaking, like a like a story that you've never really seen before, but I thought it served the origin story of Superman that they wanted to tell. It did a good job of that. It was different, definitely. That's, I think, some of the negative reviews that were coming in. I think they were just expecting the same old Superman from, like, the Christopher Reeves one and just the Superman with the Clark Kent secret identity where he's the bumbling reporter and this one is just a very serious and different take on Superman, which for the most part I liked. Certain things I wish were done differently, but overall I was definitely happy with it. What do you wish was done differently besides the Zod fight? Um, for me, I guess the pacing of it, um, I know what they're trying to go for with uh, that's the Batman Begins type style where it's kind of all over the place. I just can't help but think maybe it would have been better if it was told in a more leaner way where it started off on Krypton, which, by the way, I thought was awesome. That's my favorite version of Krypton now, however. I just love how that planet looked and the designs that uh, Kryptonians had there. It thought it looked really cool. And then just go, you know, the typical Clark starting off as a kid, discovering his powers, and him as a teenager, and then him finally uh, leaving to discover his true heritage and what where he came from. Because I felt it was kind of all over the place, and then that sequence where we actually see the death of Jonathan Kent, they never did really say what set Clark off to go on that journey to go discover himself and find out where he came from. They never really had that scene or moment where he goes, maybe he tells his mother, I'm going to, I just have to go and find out for myself where, who I am, where I came from. I'm going to just travel and just try to discover that for myself. That never really had that. They just showed him on the fishing boat and then him in the Arctic finding the ship, but they never showed him giving the reason why he went out to do that. And then probably my other complaint about it was that just I felt he became like a full Superman costume a little bit too quick. There was not enough buildup to where he finally became, in, you finally see him in that suit. That it was a big epic moment. It didn't have that feel to me like Batman Begins did, where it perfectly introduced him to in the Batman costume, getting everyone on the docks and then pulling Falcone out of the car, and you get that first full shot of his costume, and he says, "I'm Batman." I thought that was a perfect reveal for Batman, and this. For me, I thought it was a little too rushed for when Clark actually donned his Superman costume and started flying for the first time, which is a great sequence. I just think it didn't have enough buildup, and it just felt a little too rushed for me to when he actually became Superman. So that's probably my biggest complaints about it, that and just the overall pacing of how the flashback sequences work. But I'll let you guys or <laughs> talk about it, your overall impressions on it. Well, first, it was a miracle that I even got to see Superman. And <laughs> I've been anticipating it, too. But, um, you know, I went a Thursday night. I had those tickets uh, the, from the Walmart, which I think I had mentioned that I was first in, in line in the 2D section to get them. So I had tickets one, two, three, and 4. And then so, you know, I had to get a good seat for it. So I showed up about... 
uh, about an hour and 20 minutes before it started, hoping to get in line and be able to get a good seat. And luckily, they didn't make us line up. The theater was, like, empty. They weren't showing a movie before it, so we could just go right in. And we uh, were the very first people in the theater. <laughs> so I got good seating. But on our way there, um, hey, there was a really bad storm here last night. Um, like There was, like, really high winds. Three people were actually killed in the storm um, from, like, trees and stuff. So, you know, like, it was like a... It, it was downpouring and winds were blowing and signs were going and my kids are um like very uh, freaked out and paranoid about tornadoes so it kind of looked like tornado and we had a tornado come through right through our neighborhood about i was like two and a half years ago um and uh no one got killed and 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 uh houses weren't like leveled but there was a lot of property damage in places and people had their roofs blown off and sides of their houses missing and trees down so uh the kid the kids were freaked out about tornadoes and then the storm and then when Jonathan Kent gets killed in the tornado I'm just like oh no this is just going to like <laughs> the worst thing to see at that moment man. yeah like oh just that's going to make them worse and I even told them at the end I said I said, if you guys ever develop superpowers and I'm in a tornado, you come and save me. <laughs> None of the, you know. So, uh, but, um, yeah, I was mixed. The movie started out with the, um, the stuff on Krypton and I just loved that. I thought yeah. it was great. I thought it moved fast. It was almost like it was going so fast. I was like trying to keep up a little bit with all the stuff. It just started right away with action and Zod and, you know, comparing it to the first Superman movie, you know, the stuff on Krypton, um, Go is a very slow pace. Like even their speech and everything is just slow and deliberate. And this was not. This was just like boom, 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 boom. And the flying dragon thing was awesome. And um, uh, you know, a, a lot of it I didn't understand because he's like, what is he diving into? And what is all that stuff? Which they explain later. So right off, I I love that stuff. And then um, I was a, a little disappointed because it when it showed like Clark um on the fishing boat and saving the people in the oil rig. I you know that was great scenes. But it had all been kind of seen before in the trailers and the previews for the most part. So I was, I was a little disappointed that there wasn't more to that than what we'd kind of already seen. Um, and then like all the flashbacks, I thought the stuff was really, really good with Clark growing up as a boy, you know, his powers developing, you know, being the outcast, not being able to fight back, you know, um, the stuff with uh, Kevin Costner was fantastic. I really believe that, like, Kevin Costner, like, I I always knew he was Kevin Costner, and I never really believed he was Jonathan Kent, but I really believed he cared about this kid and that that was his son um, and all that. But it it just seemed, though, that when General Zod showed up, then the movie, like, the writing disappeared. Then it just became just a, a brawl till the end of the film. Like, there there wasn't much of you know, plot points and twists and turns and writing. It was just kind of smash them up, let's fight to the end almost. Um, you know, even the whole thing of, oh, let's just take his spaceship and smash it into the other spaceship and that'll solve everything was kind of, I thought, kind of a weak ending. Um, and then um, after uh they the big kryptonian ship uh i guess the world eater or something it's called is destroyed and then it's just left with superman and zod i i really did not like that end fight with superman and zod i thought it was just too much it was kind of like i felt like the movie had already emotionally climaxed with 
the whole thing with Perry White trying to get that girl out of there and embracing their fate and all of, you know, it looked like almost all Metropolis was destroyed. Then I guess in the Zod fight, they go to this other section that was completely like unaffected and people are just like out at the theater or something. But, um, yeah, you know, I just thought the, the, even the Smallville fight and then the Zod fight was just kind of mindless. It was almost cartoony, you know, wily e. coyote punch him up where compared i know it's not fair but compared to the dark knight rises like the fight between you know batman and bane was just so good because there was dialogue and bane is like revealing things when he's when he's talking about you know or or saying the same words that Raja ghoul said in batman begins you're like oh he's in the league of shadows he is league of shadows and it's revealing so much of you know bruce wayne and Bane and, and, you know, Bruce Wayne, you know, you fight like a younger man, you know, and all that it just, there seems so much more emotional investment and, and so much more to that fight than just watching two guys punching each other. Um, that I just felt like Man of Steel lacked that. It just was just like two guys punching each other. Um, I was surprised how much I liked the, the people in the army. I thought the army guys would be kind of the bad guys too, like seeing, the uh, previews with Superman in, in handcuffs being led by the army. And I was surprised at how they kind of turned out to be the heroes and were, were really good. But, you know, the one guy, I, I forget his name. I think it was a general played by, you know, Chris Maloney, the guy from, um, uh, what's that, the uh, Law and Order. You know, he was really good. And when he, he crashes the ship into the, uh, or the plane, I say, should say, into the ship and, to, you know, good death's its own reward and stuff. It was kind of, I don't know, a lot of that for me was just like the emotional you know, you know, climax of the movie. And then the Zod fight was kind of just like, oh, okay, come on, let's get this over with. I I was not into the Zod fight. And then, yeah, and and then the end when he breaks Zod's neck was just, oh, I hated that. I was just, there were gasps in the theater. It was funny because there was all these gasps. Like, like, and then one lady's like, I told you, I told you he'd do that. uh, But, um, I, I I hated that. I just hated that Superman killer. I mean, I'm like, that's not Superman. And I guess part of it is to say this is not Superman. But, I mean, if this is the reboot and this is Superman for the next generation, I mean, you know, and all the whole thing of, you know, inspiring good and this symbol means hope. Like, we'll just wear the Punisher symbol and go around killing everybody. Then it, it almost reminded me of Injustice, Gods Among Us, of like, where does it stop? And I just, I mean, part of it was bad writing, I guess, for that ending there, that they couldn't think of another way to neutralize Zod without, you know, um, snapping his neck. And then kind of, the whole thing too is like, alright, you zap, I mean, you, you, you snap Zod's neck, then he's gonna like get on his knees and scream and like put his head into Lois and all wuss out on us. Yeah, I mean, just kind of like, if you're going to kill him, at least, you know, like, man up about it and be like, yeah, damn straight. That's what you get if you mess with Earth or something. I don't know. I just, the whole thing just, ugh, I just hated it. My wife has apologized to me, like, five times today. She's come up to me like, I'm so sorry Superman killed someone in the movie. Like, she can just tell that I'm, like, crushed by that. Um, and then... I'm sorry. I was going to say it all that, but I just had the total opposite. Oh, what did you think of the death of that? What did you think of it? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was handled great. I mean... Zod was putting on that hard choice decision where, first of all, I thought that sequence was cool where he's, the lasers are moving closer and closer to that family. And Superman's pleading with him, like, don't, don't do it. It just yeah. has that tough choice. Like, he's pretty much the last Kryptonian left. Is he going to kill him to save his adoptive Earth people? And that's what I thought would made it such a good moral, morality choice for him. And he decided to save the Earth people of Earth, his adoptive home. And at the same time, I think 
or when he screams out and feels that remorse is what really stole it, too. I think if he didn't do that, to show remorse and let out that scream, I probably would have had more of a problem with it. But since he did that, you could just see that regret he had on his face. And then, plus two, taking into account that this is really his first battle as Superman. And this is the, probably the thing that's going to set in motion where he really doesn't is not going to kill ever again. So for me, it, it all worked. And also, too, I know you're not alone, Terrence, and a lot of people are not liking that. Yeah. But this isn't really the first time Superman hasn't killed someone. I mean, even in Superman 2, he killed General Zod in that movie after depowering him and just pushing him off and falling into that abyss. Yeah. And even in some comics, too, I think like, everyone cites Doomsday where he's like, they both have to die, but didn't Doomsday come back or wasn't really dead? I don't know. But <laughs> this wasn't the first time he killed, so it wasn't that big of a shock to me. And I just thought it was handled really well. So for me, that wasn't an issue at all. But I could definitely see where some people, like you said, yourself too, were that could rub you the wrong way, I guess. Yeah, you know, in Superman two, when he when he die when Zod dies, it's kind of more like you just see him fall. It's not as like so like graphic as snapping his neck and hearing the the neck bones <laughs> twist. I just kept thinking of, and I know it's not the same universe, but in Infinite Crisis, Superman gave Wonder Woman so much crap about uh, snapping uh, Max Lord's yeah. neck, you know, and just so much of, you know, like he he was so on his righteous high horse, you know, that I I just kept thinking like, but they, you know, how dare he? But you know, um. I, I know it doesn't even, I mean, the, the guys who wrote this may not have even uh, read Infinite Crisis, but, uh, you know, I did like the the very, very end, seeing yeah, him, you know, um, join up at the planet. I, I did think that was pretty cool. Um, one other thing, which I, I kind of didn't really, I don't know, I, I, I thought it was weird. I, I can't say I hate it. I just thought they kind of had this religious aspect of it where, like, Pete's mom kept, was saying, like, oh, he saved the in the bus. It's an act of God. And then, like before Clark goes to um, turn himself in, he goes to church. And I'm assuming it was a Catholic church, but I'm not sure. And they've got this big thing of you know a stained glass of Jesus in the background um, with Clark. And I just I didn't really get what they were going for there. I didn't get if they were trying to say that he was like Jesus or he was religious. I like it, it it never seemed clear to me what their purpose was. And I, I kind of thought it would actually would have been better if like when he went to um talk to the priest if Pete was the priest, like instead of being the manager of an IHOP or something, <laughs> he, if if like maybe he like seeing Clark do that like made him turn to religion or something and, and um you know and then I was thinking yeah. too like uh, Jonathan Kent was like, you know, maybe you should have let them die. And like, if, you know, Pete would like just end up being never leaving Smallville and being like the assistant manager of an IHOP. It's like maybe it would have been better just to let him die. But, <laughs> um, yeah. So that's my take. What do you what do you think, Dane? Well, I think you guys already know what I think. Yes. But before I get to my review of it. Well, I mean, it's not really a review. It's more like a generalization of what you guys have been talking about. I should just say I'm not a Superman fan in the sense that I'm a Batman fan. Yeah, I guess that's all I need to say. I really love the trailers. I felt that they nailed the trailers. The trailers were so good, especially especially that last one that we got and uh, the teaser trailer that we got that was attached to um, The Dark Knight Rises. But in the end, I'm walking out of the movie theater with my uh, sister's boyfriend, which is really awkward to begin with, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I 
I couldn't believe what I saw, and I don't mean that in a good way. I I I couldn't believe what I saw because perhaps I was stuck in the category of I'm gonna get what's in the trailer, and we got that. We got that. The the, the movie was visually appealing. It was so visually appealing, just like all of. Zack Snyder's movies are, but in the end, I felt that this movie was more like uh, Zack Snyder's previous movies, were, like, like like Watchmen or or Sucker Punch, where the trailers were really good, there were a lot of hype behind them, and those are two movies that I wanted to see, you know, I wanted to see Watchmen, I, I'm a big fan of Watchmen, I wanted to see Sucker Punch, because it looked really, really interesting, especially all the all-girl cast, and I really wanted to see it to see how he would pull, pull that off. But, you know, basing basing it off the trailer, it wasn't what we got, you know, when we sat down in the movie theater and we watched the movie. Yeah, sure, there were some good good stuff in this movie. Like, I loved the the Jonathan Kent stuff, the flashback stuff. I kind of liked the Krypton stuff. But I felt that, that aside, the story that's told in the current day with Zod and Perry and Lois who is pretty much just Rachel Dawes from Batman Begins, except she has red hair. <laughs> oh, that's a little low. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, I have to say Amy Adams did a really good job with what she was given. She she gave a great performance, but the material wasn't just wasn't there. I mean, especially that scene where you and I were talking about this, Tim, where she sets off the, the nuke, right? I mean, I understand why she was doing that, because they needed to use her and not just have her be the the typical female superhero movie stereotype. But it, it just didn't work for me. And, I mean, it wasn't only Lois Lane. It was all of this stuff. I felt like they did way too much with this movie. And for one thing, the main story wasn't interesting at all. I mean, maybe it was to a Superman fan, maybe it was to you guys, but it just didn't have that same appeal that Batman Begins did or The Dark Knight did or... Dark Knight Rises did, you know? I'm sorry, Dan, when you say the main story, which, what do you mean by the main story? The one with Zod and Superman? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, Zod yeah. Zod and Superman and Zod coming to Earth, that whole thing. I I just felt, I mean, great performances all around. Henry Cavill, Cavill did a great job. Michael Shannon did a great job as Zod. But it was the, the storytelling that I felt was very, very lacking in this movie, especially the scenes where they're not fighting and in the scenes that they are fighting. Like you said, Terrence, there isn't that emotional sort of thing for me. There's just no emotion behind it. It's just, you know, Superman being thrown through a building and then Superman coming back and throwing Zod through a, through a building and landing on the street and breaking the asphalt and making all kinds of cool explosions and moves and stuff like that. So in the end, I felt that the movie overall felt empty. I mean, there there were there were things like you said, Terrence, like the end, the, the the actual end, not not the Zod Superman fight that were supposed to have meaning. But at that point, I felt that that really didn't have the same emotional significance as you know Batman turning over the Joker card. You know, I don't think no comic book movie will be as cool as that ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe I'm comparing it to the wrong pair or. Uh, trilogy maybe i'm comparing it to the wrong trilogy but there's all of this chatter on the internet and on twitter and every place that this is i mean especially by comic book fans and i'm a comic book fan and i feel terrible that i walked out of the movie movie theater and i didn't like it i felt like 
maybe I was trying too hard. Maybe I need to take a moment and think about what I saw. I did that, and I still didn't like the movie. So I went on the internet, and I read the positive reviews for this movie. I still couldn't like it. I, I still couldn't get into it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of talk about, I mean, a lot of praise to this movie. And a lot of people are saying that, you know, this is going to launch the DC Cinematic Universe. You know, we're going to have the Justice League and all these other movies, right? But for me, just going off of this one movie, because, I mean, Christopher Nolan's trilogy is done, I have some serious doubts about Justice League and about the rest of the movies that superhero movies that DC is going to be putting out. I mean, it pains me to say it. It pains me. I, I wish I was like you guys. I wish I could be like, you know, oh my god, that was so good. That was so awesome. But I just felt that it wasn't there. They tried. I'll, I'll give them that. They tried. Zack Snyder tried. David Goyer tried. But in the end, there just wasn't anything there for me. I mean, the movie was visually appealing. I, I have to give it that. Performances were great, but it was just the writing for me. I guess it comes down to the writing. The writing and the action sequences and how the action sequences are set up. So yeah, that's just a long way of telling you guys that this movie was a huge letdown for me. A huge, huge letdown. I, I mean, I, I almost couldn't believe what I just saw. I, I couldn't believe that this movie that I had been waiting and waiting and waiting for ever since, you know, I saw that first teaser trailer when The Dark Knight came out, which was almost a year ago. I couldn't believe that the movie in my mind regressed to me not liking it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry because, you know, <laughs> I mean, another common consensus out there is that this movie for comic book fans is it's the it's the launch of the new DC Cinematic Universe. It's the launch of the Justice League movie. Uh, it's the launch of a new era, you know? And I wish I could just be 100% behind that, but I, I just can't after what I've seen in this movie. I mean, I... I Maybe I should just stop there, you know? <laughs> well, I agree with a lot of what you said, you know. It's, it's almost like there's two movies. It's There's the one movie, which is like Smallville, kind of, you know, how did Superman deal with being the outcast, having these powers, growing up in Kansas? Um, and that part, to me, is, is an A-plus home run. I, I loved every moment of that stuff. There's also the part on Krypton, which I loved – Especially the last scene on Krypton where it's, it's exploding like that was amazing. But then there's the other movie where Zod shows up and to me that it was almost like a video game. It was just sort of like, you know, lots of, lots of cool like visual effects of throwing through a building and throwing here, but it just completely lacked like the emotion of, you know, take for example the, the interrogation scene in the dark night. Like, you don't need uh, all the special effects. You don't need eight buildings crashed. You don't need, you know, 5,000 punches thrown. I mean, I think Batman only hits the Joker, you know, a handful of times, maybe two or three, and throws him, you know, against the wall and, and on the table a couple times. But that scene is so intense and so revealing. And, you know, they never leave that white room. You know, you, you don't need all that stuff to, to make this huge emotional impact, uh, you know, on, on the audience. Sometimes you can do too much. And I feel like that's what they did a little bit on the fight scenes. Um, you know, it was definitely cool, but emotionally, you know, it wasn't there. And then, as you said, Dane, the story-wise, there, there really isn't a story, you know, other than here's Zod. He wants... Kal-El, then he wants to destroy Earth 
for what reason. It's kind of hard to say. I don't know why they couldn't have just gone to Mars or gone to another planet or, you know, he's got well, to do Earth. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think they want to do Earth because they could be so – oh, they have all those powers there too, so. Yeah, but they were terraforming it to be like Krypton, so I, that's why I, I guess they'd still have the powers. I don't, I don't know. Um, you got to put the Earth in jeopardy, I guess, for Superman to to save it. So I, I can overlook that a little bit. But um, it just it didn't have you know. You look at the Dark Knight. I know it's not fair to compare a movie to the Dark Knight because that's one of the greatest movies ever. But there was just so many twists and turns, and you know the the Joker. You know you think he's caught and he's in you know Gordon's custody, but it was all just his plan to get to Lau, and then he's released. And I mean, there's just so much that happens where you just don't see it coming and then it changes and what you think is one thing turns out to be another and there really wasn't any of that in this it was just really just a straightforward like really simple story and i don't know if they intended to do that to to try to make it simpler um it was definitely better than green lantern i thought um but it it did not (laughs) compare with the the nolan trilogy from batman but um I, I I liked it enough to think that it deserves a sequel and let's see what they do with the sequel and maybe they can fix some of these problems and, and that they have established a universe. But let me say, if there's a sequel, one thing that annoyed me, if you saw it two or three times, they had like LexCorp written on things. Like one time I saw it in a truck, uh, which I was so proud of my stepdaughter because she, she pointed <laughs> it out right away. She's like, that said LexCorp. I'm like, I love you. But um, <laughs> the... Uh, they couldn't have thrown a Wayne Corp in there. They couldn't have thrown uh, something with Wayne in there. No, they like, did though. Oh, they did. Where yeah. was it? I missed it. When him and Zod were fighting, they were on that satellite. Yeah. Wayne Tech satellite. You saw the Wayne logo on there. Oh, it was. I yeah. completely missed that. Okay. <laughs> it is I kind of hard to see, but yeah, I thought that was really cool. <laughs> okay. They finally established Wayne's in the Superman universe. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Now I'm glad they did, they did that. But, yeah. But um, it, yeah. And can I say one more uh, thing? Yeah, go ahead. Maybe I'm rushing to judgment uh, because this is the "quote unquote" Batman Begins of of the Superman trilogy, and just maybe, just maybe, I have to I have to wait till the sequel comes out, and maybe then I'll I'll, I'll get why you why you guys think Man of Steel is so good. I think when the sequel comes out, it's it's going to be probably. A lot of this, the Superman movie, a lot of people were expecting with this one, because they set it up to where now you're going to have Clark work out the Daily Planet. He's going to have the dual identity now. And by the way, I think it's great that uh, they got the whole Lois knowing his secret identity out of the way. I like that aspect. Instead of yeah. him having to kind of fool her all the time, it's like the same old thing. We'll have to keep this a secret from Lois. I like that she does know who he is. So I think once the sequel comes out, it's probably going to be more of the traditional Superman story. And I definitely think Lex Luthor is probably going to be the villain in it, kind of what they did with Batman, save the big villain for the second one, like they did with the Joker. But I don't know. Yeah, I have to completely disagree with you guys on that, the action sequence front. I know you're saying, like, there wasn't a lot of, like, a dialogue or emotional aspects to it, but in, compared to the dark, the stuff that happened in The Dark Knight Rises and The Dark Knight, I don't think you can really compare it to that because that's great for Batman and all that stuff, but with Superman... I think you need to have all this big, destructive fight sequences. That whole Smallville fight sequences I thought was what I've been waiting to see in a Superman movie. Just the movement, the speed of the Kryptonians that they're doing, which is awesome to see. I just love how that whole sequence played out. Like yeah, I said yeah, earlier, I mean, but... It, it, it looked good. It really did. The, the CGI was really good. 
uh, both actors looked really good doing it. And I don't, at the same time, it, I don't think it needs yeah. that big emotional like attachment to the fight scene. I think it's okay just to have a, a fight sequence where these Kryptonians come down that Superman's never met before, and he's just defending the city from them and trying to stop their destruction. I think that's perfectly okay just to have a sequence like that where you don't have to have this emotional attachment there, like like you guys mentioned in yeah. that Dark Knight Rises. I mean, I guess, but I don't know. To, to me... I mean, I guess we're just two different people. Really? I feel that there has to be something behind it. Well, it worked for me anyway. I thought it's, it fulfilled what I definitely wanted to see. And I just I didn't think it needed a, a big old twist or a story plot point for it to work. To me, it did its job. I, I'm okay, too, with it just being a simple story. Yeah, I agree. It's real simple. There was no twists or turns. And to me, that's, that's okay. So I just... He escaped from the Phantom Zone. He wants to carry out the legacy of his people, and without that legacy is on Earth through Superman, and that's what he's trying to get. So it, it was good enough for me. It served his purpose. I mean, the main story aspect that I really enjoyed out of it wasn't so much that, but just the journey of that Clark had and just his the struggles that he went through in life, adapting to his powers, and then finally accepting who he is and becoming Superman. So that was yeah, my yeah, favorite but... part of it. And the rest of the stuff with Zod, it was just. Nothing great, but it just, I thought it fit together nicely with the rest of the story. So I really didn't have a problem with that aspect. Yeah. Yeah, but for me, it, it always comes back to what could have been. You know, mm-hmm. it could have been this story like Batman Begins where it's, it twists and turns and, oh, Liam Neeson is Ra's al Ghul. You know? Mm. And if you think about it, Batman Begins did what Man of Steel does with Clark's backstory. Yeah. And. And I just thought that they did it better in Batman Begins. And I'll give you that. You know, yeah, it was definitely done better in Batman Begins. And in Man of Steel, they did it good, but it could have been better, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it goes back to what I was kind of saying about how the pacing of certain things, at least for me anyway. Yeah, I guess part of my problem with it, too, is that there was so much destruction in the fights that it's hard to feel like he's saving the city when every three seconds another building's coming down or Smallville's coming down and... And so maybe the just the fights went on just a little too long in each scene. You know, I, in fact, I, the as much as I hated the last fight, because I, I thought it emotionally I was kind of done and I hated that Superman killed Zod, where Superman's holding Zod's head so that his heat vision doesn't kill those like four people who are like trapped like that was like emotional. That was like dramatic of like, you know, no, don't let him go or those people are going to be fried. You know, where in the others, I didn't really kind of have that. I, I did in the very beginning with the Smallville fight when his mother's threatened and then he swoops in and, and get Zod. Um, but then after after just so much of it, it, you just kind of regress to feeling like you're watching a video game. And it looks cool. It looks it looked really cool. It just didn't, you know, have a huge emotional impact on me as, as far as like, you know, a meaningful story wise. But um, I'm definitely probably going to see it three more times. So. <laughs> For me, it was one of those movies where after I walked out of it, overall, I liked it, but I just didn't know quite how I really felt about it, where to place it, like amongst my other favorite movies. It's kind of more like the more I thought about it, the more I started to like it. And I think probably on a second view, and I think I'm going to like it even more. I think it's, has, it's one of those movies to me where the more I see it, the more I'm going to find more enjoyment out of it. Yeah. The uh can I ask you cuz I saw it in 2D and cuz 3D normally it gives me like a headache. I had a headache 
from all the action just in 2D. I, I came out of it and I was like, my head is pounding. My wife was the same way. Maybe we're just old. But um, I, I read uh, some stuff on the Internet criticizing the 3D, saying because it was done, it wasn't filmed in 3D, it was converted after that. The 3D did not look good. Did you guys see it in 2D or 3D? And if, three, if so, what did you think of the 3D? No, I didn't see it in 3D. The only 3D I saw was uh, Episode 1, <laughs> just because it was Star Wars. I really don't like seeing anything in 3D, so yeah. I don't think I'll ever see it in 3D. But I've heard the same thing, too. It's not worth it. I saw it in 2D. Um, okay. The only the only 3D movies I've ever seen is um, Avatar, The Last Airbender. And <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, episode 1. Yeah, it's so Star Trek in 3D, and that... Aside from a couple action sequences, it, it's just a waste. It just kind of makes the film look darker. And um, I always say to my wife, I, I almost wish they had it like in the old days where they would say, like, put on your 3D glasses and then you just watch like an action sequence in 3D and then you take it off for for the rest of the movie. Because um, it, it's for, for what you pay, it's just not worth it. Yeah, that's how I always felt. Glad that my suspicions are confirmed, though. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, for me, anyway, it left me feeling that I think, like you were saying earlier, Dane, it didn't leave you confidence for any other DC movies or Justice League. It actually was the opposite, where our, seeing those action sequences, I just can't wait for a Justice League movie to be like that. Because just seeing Superman do all this cool stuff, I just can imagine you know, Green Lantern there doing some cool constructs and Wonder Woman and Batman and Flash. So it definitely left me excited for the possibility of the future DC movies and Judging by the box office it's going to get this weekend, I think the Justice League movie is definitely going to happen, plus a sequel. And they already laid those Easter eggs there with the Wayne Enterprise uh, satellite. So, you know, they're doing little by little planning certain seeds to get them all together. So it left, definitely left me excited for the Justice League once it finally gets off the ground, which I believe now Goyer is going to be the next writer to attempt to the script for it, which is not too surprising, but... Uh, yeah, I'm definitely excited for the future. I would love to have seen, uh, and I know it's not going to happen, but I would love to see the Dark Knight Batman interact with, you know, this Man of Steel yeah, Superman, it's... especially after the end uh, where, you know, because such a big thing about the Dark Knight was, you know, Batman has that rule, he doesn't kill, and, and the Joker's like, you have that one rule, you think it'll save you, you know, and I'd love to see that interaction, with, you know, like, <laughs> uh, Batman knowing, like, what he did to Zod, and, you know, kind of giving him grief about it, yeah. um, but I don't I don't think that's going to happen, but just, just to clear the air, I, you know, I love Batman Begins, but I hate the ending of that, where, not the Joker card, that's awesome, uh, but that, with, <laughs> yeah, with Raja Ghoul, where, where, Batman's like, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you either. Like, I hated that, too. I was like, well, isn't that killing him then? <laughs> you know, like, you're the one who set the train to crash into something. You know, like, if I, you know, if I was walking by somebody who was like, you know, needed an ambulance and just said, yeah, I'm not going to call an ambulance for you. That's kind of the same thing as killing them in, in a certain way. So, um, yeah, maybe it's just me. Yeah. The Batman Begins thing. I wouldn't necessarily really bother me. At the same time, I thought it was kind of a weak line to say. <laughs> yeah. They could have just done somewhere, I don't know, where he just had to get out of there in time where, like, Rachel Gould chose not to. Like, he chose to die with the buzz or the train yeah. crashing. But Batman decided to leave. But I don't know. <laughs> and at the time, you know, I didn't know Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises yet. I had just assumed that he'd be back due to a Lazarus. Same here, yeah. You know so, what? A part I, of me still just to believe that. <laughs> yeah. 
that was not a hallucination in the in the prison. That that was him. Yeah. I still like to think he's alive. Yeah. But um, I guess I guess to wrap up the Man of Steel discussion, just to guess, give an overall score out of five, like we normally do, of what you thought of the movie. For me, right now, I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. But I think probably once I see it again, it might go up to a four. I am going to have to give it probably. It's so hard because if I compare it to The Dark Knight, it, it you know it, it gets a low score. But if I compare it to Superman Returns, it gets a very high score because <laughs> they didn't make him a deadbeat dad who you know peeks into the windows of Lois Lane at night and you know. <laughs> um, so you know what? I'll, I'll give it right now. I'll give it. I'll give it a four and say that that ending is a zero. But <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a four. Well, that that doesn't sound right. Because I've been gushing over it, and you've had more nitpicks than I did, yet you're scoring it high. <laughs> well, just, I, I love the stuff on Krypton. I love the stuff with Smallville. I, I you know, and maybe I'm just, well, I'm an, I'm, I'm an easy grader, I guess. So. <laughs> All right, Dan, I'm scared to hear your score. <laughs> well, don't be scared, because I'm going to give this a two. Okay. I'm going to give this a two because visually it was really, really good. Really, really good. Performances were great. Russell Crowe was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Henry Cavill, I mean, he pretty much is Superman. He just needs to, like, relax a little bit, you know? I felt like he was a little stiff, but in the end, I still feel left out, uh, let down, you know? All right, glad it's not a one. <laughs> That's what I was yeah. but now, But now who knows when we're going to get the next DC movie. I mean, I mean assume it's going to be Man of Steel 2 or whatever it's going to be called, but, yeah, they have nothing on their slate for the next few years anyway. So it should be interesting to see... What they're going to announce, I believe they said at this year's Comic-Con, they're supposed to have some new announcements regarding their movie, so hopefully then we'll get some concrete details of what we can expect. But anyways, um, did, did you guys have anything else to say about Man of Steel? I, just one quick question for specifically Tim, but you can chime in. Did you get the feeling in the movie, going back to that religious question, that they were trying to portray... Superman as Jesus, because as I as we were talking, I went on Fox News has got a article called Man of Steel filled with filled with Jesus Christianity references. And it kind of some of them are a stretch, like he says that Superman jumps at one point with his arms stretched, like being on a crucifix. Um, then it says that you know Superman said his age was 33, the same age as Jesus when he died. Then it kind of gives sort of the whole kind of Superman turning himself over, kind of similar to Jesus being turned over to the Romans and stuff. And did you, and then it talks about that scene in the church. Did you get that vibe when you, when you saw the movie? Or do you think this is kind of people putting on a little after? Because with the Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster, who created it, were Jewish. And a lot of their original creation dealt with more... Um, like Jewish immigrants, how they were treated, yeah. and it was more of a Moses story. You know, it's it's kind of you know change. You know, Krypton for Egypt, and you know a basket of reed on on the Nile for a spaceship. It was very much a Moses like story. In fact, on one of the Dark Knight, not Dark Knight, one of the Batman, um, the behind the, the scenes, scenes, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, who's his name? Michael Uso. Michael Houston, thank you. Yeah. yeah, he talks about how that's how he got funding for the college course by having the the guy who didn't want to do it compare the the origin of Moses and Superman. 
But, um, you know, I didn't really get that until reading this article. Did you get that as you were watching it, or is that something kind of after the fact that you... No, I really didn't get that while watching it, but some of the reviews I read, I kind of heard there are little comparisons to that. I think one of the ones mentioned was uh, when he's laying in the water. Like I said, he kind of is like on the crucifix pose, just laying oh, yeah. there. And then just the church thing, like you said. But, yeah, I think some of the other things you mentioned are maybe looking a little bit too much into that analogy. But overall, as I was watching, I really didn't get that impression from it. So, But, yeah, but when you say those type of things, like, yeah, it kind of does. Maybe it's more a coincidence than anything. I really don't think they were when writing the story, setting out to do that, to make him, like, the Jesus of superheroes or something like that. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of, like, English class, when I'd, I'd be in class, and you'd have to read some book, and I'd be like, yeah, wasn't this about, like, a dog and a guy? And the teacher would be like, no, it's a metaphor for the human existence and life and all the and the the dog represents this. And you're like, what? I thought it was just a dog. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, yeah. Hey, you guys want to hear something funny when I went to go see um, Man of Steel? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I um I go I, I I meet my um my sister's boyfriend at the theater. He was already standing in line, and uh, they let us in. We go sit down, and, and uh, you know I go sit down. I find a chair. I go sit down, and my uncle was sitting right next to me, and I didn't even know. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I mean it wasn't a real real uncle. I mean, I don't know what the English word is, but we, we call it Hanai uncle. You know, it's an uncle where it's not really your uncle, but it's like, like it's a close marriage? family friend. Or, no, oh, it's okay. a close family friend. Like, okay. I don't know what the English word for that is, but yeah, like I didn't even know. He's like, hey, Dean. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> was it before the movie or after? <laughs> before the movie. I was like sitting down. I was like, oh, I'm finally going to get to see Man of Steel. And he's like, hey, Dean. I was like, oh, Hey, Uncle, how's it going? How's it going? Well, what are the chances? <laughs> I know. Of the theater. <laughs> That's funny. That, something like that happened to me and my brother. We went, because we lived in New York, and we were on vacation in Chicago, and we went to a White Sox game at Comiskey Park, which I think it's Cellular Field now or something, and we're, we're standing watching batting practice, and my brother looks up, and our cousin, who <laughs> lived in Chicago, was standing right next to him, and he's like, I know you, I know you. <laughs> and we hadn't seen him in, like, a long time. It had been, like, 10 years. He was there with his son. So my brother is just so like, I know you, I know you, and, like, the guy, like, he, like, grabbed his son and started, like, backing away, like, he was some kind of crazy person. And then finally, like, we, we figured out who was who, but, yeah. Stop by a family in the theater, and then of course these little kids they had to get it like almost ten times. But, like oh, during some yeah. of the actions, they were like, Ugh, "Sit down or don't take your small kids to the movies." I actually saw someone come in with a stroller with a little, couldn't it be more like a one or two year old baby, and they're like, "Really? <laughs> yeah, you're bringing that two year old to a Superman movie?" Well, at least it wasn't the midnight premiere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, why would you bring a baby to a midnight premiere? But I guess they couldn't find a babysitter. <laughs> That's true. If uh, I ever have kids in this new Star Wars movie coming out, and I can't get a babysitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll be their first movie to see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but have you guys listened to the Greg Capullo, Fat Man on Batman? This is part yes. one. I haven't listened to part two yet. Oh, there's a part he, two? I'm only yeah, part yeah, one. there's a part two. I listened to both parts today. He sounds just like John Crook with a Brooklyn <laughs> accent. <laughs> yeah. He sounds exactly like John Crook without the Brooklyn accent, and he's not senile about everything. <laughs> and doesn't hate his job. <laughs> yeah, he's, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys ever watch Baseball Tonight, 
He's dead. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is one of the most unhappy people in the <laughs> yeah. world. He's on TV. He's talking about the game that he loves, but he's like, oh, I don't know. It's just like, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't understand it. I don't know. And <laughs> I like, is, he always is mentions, somebody else? He always mentions, too, well, if I was getting paid this kind of money, I'd be happy, too, or a lot of type of thing. <laughs> Yeah. Like he's jealous of all the new players and their contracts. Yeah, but the, like the thing about John Crock is he he doesn't have any I don't know what you call it like uh, like somebody will bring up you know B A B I P you know batting average of balls in play and he'll be like oh I don't know about this statistic I don't even I don't even know if you can count it you know <laughs> it's like you gotta leave it you gotta leave, go in with an open mind say hey you know maybe that 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 could be the reason or blah 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 or whatever but man he is one of the most grouchiest people (laughs) on television (laughs) it's like why are you even doing that if (laughs) if you're gonna be pissed off all the time (laughs) it's probably because he had one of his testicles removed so he's all (laughs) annoying You know, he had testicular cancer, yeah. yeah, and had to get one removed. So I, that might make somebody grumpy. Yeah. Is he a steroids guy? Well, he hasn't been connected or anything, but you never know. He was in that yeah. era. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to you know, get, get MLB Network. <laughs> That's the station to watch. It's funny because I grew up on Long Island, New York, and uh, the Topps Baseball Company had like I don't know if it was their headquarters or their factory there. And uh, one of my grandfathers was like, he was like one of, I guess now like it's on American pickers and stuff. We just call him a garbage picker. He would like go through dumpsters and stuff. And he, he, he went to the tops place and, uh, he, he's like, yeah, I got this giant bag of baseball cards for you guys. And I was like eight or nine years old. My brother was like around that age or so. So we were like all psyched and he brings this huge bag of baseball cards and we were like freaking out. Holy cow, look at all these cards. And every single one of them was John Cross. Like it was, I guess they made like a, a, a misprint or something and printed like thousands of extra John Cross. And so we were like going through it. It was like 8,000 John Cross. It was only worth, it was like a common card worth like 12 cents or something. We were, talk about like having your dreams crushed. I remember we went to, to like this party for like a bunch of kids that we went to. For some reason, they decided to have like a, Bunch of like kids were like maybe what nine or ten years old, but decided to go like to a golf golf course, not a miniature golf course, but a normal <laughs> golf course. <laughs> but they had this like this drawing part where they gave out these baseball cards, and because I guess the person who was throwing the party he owned like a card shop, and then one of them had like there was one stack pack of cards that was like the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, oh. and so the person the kid who won it he got it, he's all happy, but then there was there was like a pool party afterwards. And he left the card in his uh, trunks or whatever and ruined it as he went oh. swimming. But I was like, oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he went in the pool and you went and got it. <laughs> that would have been a better story. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, their card now ruined. <laughs> I thought I was, between the comic books and the baseball cards, I thought I'd be a millionaire by now. Yeah. <laughs> all it does is take up space. Yeah. Exactly. I know. Just have a digital baseball cards. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was funny because um, my dad he works nights. When I was a kid, I, w- I would always miss him. So what we used to do before he would leave was we would open up some old uh, some old cards that you know he he had bought when he was a boy. You know, back then, they used to pack the gum yeah. the baseball oh, yeah. cards. I mean, the rocks. <laughs> we, opened one, we opened one up. There was the gum inside. It was melted onto the card, <laughs> and it was black. It was pure uh, black. Uh. <laughs> 
like almost like 30 years old at that point. So did you eat it? Or to it? <laughs> Yo, God. I wouldn't be talking to you right now, Tim, if I did that. <laughs> I would have died. Well, here, I can segue, because I had a quick question for you guys. Since we were talking about Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, and let's go to his Watchmen. I just had a quick question, because I just finished this week reading all of the uh, before Watchmen comics, which have been out for a while. It just took me a while, because... Some of them, as Dane says, was kind of like doing your homework, trying to get through them. And I, I have a question. Were the Watchmen ever like a team together like the X-Men were, are or Justice League? Or was that just the name given to that like group of heroes? And I know, Tim, you didn't read it or, or watch the movie. But did you have the sense that they were like a team like the X-Men? Um, uh, do you guys know? or Personally, yeah, even though I haven't read the comic or seen the movie, which probably makes me a bad comic book fan, but <laughs> uh, I always got the impression that they were a team, like like a Justice League or X-Men type of thing. Because that picture I remember from the movies where, like, they're all together in a room or something, they're all there, and someone took a photograph of them, so I always thought they were a team. Okay, because that, that was, like, my criticism of the movie and of the graphic novel. The one thing I hate is when Rorschach calls... Um, uh, the comedian's closet a wardrobe, like no New Yorker would ever call a closet a wardrobe. That's a, such an English term, you know, C.S. Lewis, the lion, the witch in the wardrobe. But, you know, there's no real, there's not a lot of scenes of all of them together because on the Internet there's the um, a script that uh, Sam Hamm, the guy who wrote the first Batman, uh, wrote for Watchmen, and it starts off with them, like, doing, like, this stuff together. Like, there's, like, these terrorists trying to blow up the Statue of Liberty, and they kind of work together to stop them. And I thought, you know, they don't really show them as a team, you know, um, working. They show, like, Rorschach and Night Owl together, or they show the comedian and Night Owl together, or the comedian and Dr. Manhattan in Vietnam. But they never kind of show them all. And uh, then reading the Before Watchmen, the Ozymandias series, it kind of made it seem like they never were together. They just had one meeting, um, and, and that was it. And so, but I'm, it's just kind of a weird thing where I didn't know if I was missing something or were they a team or weren't they a team or, you know, it's, it's, and that, dude, the graphic novel is so thick, it's kind of hard to go through it and just pick out, <laughs> but, all right. But, maybe we should talk about some Batman stuff instead of Man of Steel and <laughs> Tops. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we have this uh, DC uh, villain month for uh, September. Um, not sure how, how I feel about this quite yet, because I just don't want to buy more books at this point. <laughs> I feel the feeling, yeah. I or, just don't. I, I spend too much money on comics. <laughs> yeah, looks like every September they're going to be doing some special event that gets to honor the or the anniversary of the New 52 when it launched. So it looks like we can expect this every year or something different, but... I think in concept, the idea seems pretty cool. I mean, but like you said, Dane, like there's going to be new a new Batman comic every week, like a new detective and a new Batman and Robin. So, but are some other books are getting sacrificed? Like I don't think there's going to be a Nightwing or a Batgirl for that month. So, but it does seem like there's going to be a lot more Bat books to cover in the month of September. But great, yeah. <laughs> I mean, certain ones sound cool with the villains that are going to be attached and the writers, like Scott Snyder and the Riddler, should be cool. But then you got stuff like Anne Nascenti doing the Joker's daughter, which I don't think I'll be picking up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Joker's daughter and Anne Nascenti. 
A winning it's just combination. a bad combination. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, you can't even joke about that. It's terrible, 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 terrible. That looks like terrible, terrible, terrible. Wait, terrible, 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 terrible. It's almost as bad as uh, Riddler's daughter <laughs> or uh, Catgirl. Yeah, but wait, how? What do you feel about it, Dane? How do you think it's going to be? Um, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> okay, can't I thought you said terrible. Thumbs up. <laughs> no, no, no! I said awesome. You just heard me wrong. <laughs> okay, just wanted to make it clear. But yeah, so that's the potential to be cool. But I, of course, we know not all of them are going to be good. I just hope ones was some of the villains that I'm looking forward to, like Clayface, Scarecrow, of course, Joker, Bane. Those are the ones that I'm looking forward to see what their story is going to be about. But I don't know. We'll wait and see, I guess. So you're not waiting for Riddler's daughter? No, I'm not. Nor <laughs> the Joker's daughter. Nor the Penguin's daughter. Or Two Faces' daughter. <laughs> Anybody's daughter except for Talia. <laughs> yeah, I, I I counted for. It seems like they're unless they're they haven't released all the titles. They're really just focusing on Batman, Green Lantern, and Superman a lot. Wonder Woman, Justice League, but a lot of their titles are are being put on hiatus yeah. for for the month. Uh, but I counted of the villains for Batman. There's 16 titles coming out that month, and they're a dollar extra. They're 3.99 each because they have that um, some kind of 3D cover on them. Oh yeah. So you know, at four bucks a pop, 16 of them. That's 64 dollars. Um, that's that's a lot of money for one month of of Batman comics. Um, you know, yeah. and I the creative teams have not been blowing me away where I just keep thinking, gosh, I want more and more from these guys. It's been kind of up and down. So, um, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit, if you remember a few years ago, they came out with that thing like Joker's Asylum or Joker's. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of almost reminds me of that, um, which that was up and down, too. Some of those were a lot better than others. But, yeah, DC DC's trying to get every penny they can out of us. <laughs> I know, we really don't need those 3D motion covers. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. not a good selling point. But like you said, if you're a DC comic fan, like you get other books like I do, like uh, the Green Lantern and Superman stuff, like, that's going to be more to spend <laughs> than the 64 bucks just on the Batman stuff. Yeah. But unless it gets really good reviews, I think one of them I definitely will pick up with, along with the Joker's daughter is the Penguin, because I think we all got our fill of the Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to be spending more money, too, because we're going to get this new... Batman Black and White series. But now that's something that's cool, though. <laughs> Cause yeah. Um, but but can, it be do- can it be done twice? Good question. But um, I'm trying to bring up or remember who the, some of the creative teams on it. Because I remember it being pretty good. I remember, like, Chip Kidd on there and uh, Neil Adams, as long as, uh, well, yeah, he's going to be writing on there. So, <laughs> yeah. judging by Batman Odyssey, I don't think that's a good thing. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but. I'm going to probably get it regardless, though. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Written by Chip Kidd, Neil Adams, Joseph Quinones Jr., Maris Wicks, John Akudai, and Howard Mackey. Art by Michael Chow, Neil Adams, Joseph A. Quinones Jr., Sean Murphy, and Chris Semney. But just the I, the Batman works very well in black and white. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. The only name that... I feel it's missing on that list is um, Dustin Nguyen. I would love to see him do a, a black and white issue, I guess you can call it, where he's writing it and he's drawing it. But I guess yeah. he's not very popular with DC anymore because I haven't seen him in a long time. He's doing a lot of the digital stuff. Like he's doing yeah, that. Yeah. 
He does the little Gotham or little Gothams. He does that every two weeks in digital, which, oh. you know, it's, it's for kids and it's, it appeals to five or six year olds. My stepdaughter loves it, but his art looks beautiful in it. It, it. it looks like it's watercolor painting. I don't know if that's what it is or just looks like it, but even yeah. though it is designed for kids and it is kind of a, a juvenile, um, style, it is great artwork in it. I love the cover that they have for the Batman black and white one too. Just him kneeling down on his, the parents, the graves, not the gravesite, but where they were murdered. You see the pearls on there. And then you see like the corpse of the skeleton of his parents in the background. So anything having to do with Batman's origin and like the murder of his parents always has me intrigued. <laughs> this is something I really can't wait to check out. So hopefully it's good. But according to Batman and Robin, he was not going to, uh, dwell on that anymore. He was just going to honor the memory of their anniversary when, when they first went out for ice cream, I think, or something. Yeah. I, up again, did you? I know. Even when I read that in issue one, I'm like, yeah, how long is that going to last? You know, like, Apparently just one issue. Yeah. All right, so, so was there any other news you saw, Tim? Because, I mean... The only other thing that uh, this week was the E3 video game convention, and they just had another new trailer for Arkham uh, Origins, and they just finally showed some gameplay of it. It's pretty much like like a typical Arkham game, nothing too just drastically different about it. But they did show, or we finally got to hear the new voice of Batman and the Joker. And while it's not no Kevin Conroy, it didn't sound bad at all. I think it'll get the job done. But the game looks really cool, except for uh, the design of Bane. I don't like how he looks. Now, I always say how I hate it when the show part of Bane's like face, like his nose or his lips or something like that. That's how this new design is. I just wish his whole face was covered. Or something like the Dark Knight Rises mask. I just don't like how they show certain portions of like his nose, his mouth. I just don't like that design on Bane. That's how it looks in Arkham Origins. So one minor disappointment there, but overall the game looks awesome. All right, so I guess we can get into some listener feedback. Or damn it, I keep on messing up the name. It's a conversation with Alex. Tim, stop putting listener feedback section on our show notes. That's I gotta remember this. Just a conversation with Alex, unless we get more yeah. than one. <laughs> yeah, unless we get more than one. It's a conversation with Alex, okay? Got it. Do we do we have that straight? Yes, sir. It won't happen again. Sorry, sir. Do I need do I need to write your uh, uh, post-it note <laughs> and mail it to you? <laughs> yes. Don't send me a text. Send me a post-it note through mail. Then I'll remember. Okay. Uh, um, but Terrence, why don't you take it away? Right. So um, first of all, we had some discussion last time about. Where exactly Alex is from, and um, Dane for some reason thought that Alex was from uh, Mexico, but it turns out he's from Detroit. He, he oh, pretty <laughs> uh, close. Yeah, so uh, not that far away. Um, kind of, uh, you know, closer to Canada than Mexico, but uh, and uh, let's see here. And so then, yeah, at least it was connected. It's connected, okay? Yeah. It's all one thing, okay? I was close. Enough. <laughs> We're just <laughs> the same continent. <laughs> um, and he even said, he said, I'll, I'll skip around. He said, to Dane, despite my last name, I'm 50% German, so I'm surprised my Spanish heritage, heritage showed I'm only a quarter Spanish. Apparently, my emails aren't angry enough to represent my mom's side of the family. So apparently, he's <laughs> got some anger issues there with, on the mom's side of the family. Um, a, he also, I'll skip around here, he, he liked our... Um, uh, Mr. Burns, uh, joke with the Simpsons and, uh, the non-union Mexican counterpart of, uh, Jorge, uh, 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 Lucas. Um, I was just trying to think who we, who, if, uh, you know, Tim or Dane ever 
don't do the podcast to the who who your non-union Mexican counterpart <laughs> like El Timo Duracio or something. <laughs> Um, but uh, Alex has some questions for us. He says, who do you think had the best comic book origin? I've read about ten different origins of Superman and never got bored. And with Batman, there's so many untapped portions of his growth into Batman. It's always exciting. Spider-Man's origin is really cool because of its Twilight Zone-esque nature. All those ironic twists. Unfortunately, almost every issue until Peter gets out of high school continues with every little event being out of irony, which dilutes it. So, guys, what do you think here? Which, which, which comic book character do you think has the best origin? No shocker here, but definitely Batman. The greatest origin out of any superhero out there. Just a great story and just the perfect motivation for anyone to become a superhero. But then second, right after Batman, for me, it would be Spider-Man. I, I love his origin story, too. Well, Alex kind of said some of the there's like irony to it. I think that's what makes it uh, unique and special for Peter Parker's story. The fact that he uses powers first to try to get money and then to take responsibility and stopping that crook. But then he, that crook ends up being the one to kill Uncle Ben, and that shows him the famous line, great power comes great responsibility. I just love how that's his motivation for being Spider-Man. And something I felt was really lacking in the new Amazing Spider-Man movie. I really didn't like how what made him become a superhero in that film. But his classic origin story is definitely one of my favorites. Then after it would probably be Superman and then Hal Jordan as Green Lantern origin story. I think it's really cool too. I'll go with, uh, you know, of course Batman's awesome. But to be a little different, I, I like the Robin origin, especially the way it was done in the animated series with Robin's yeah. Reckoning. Um, I, I like um, the Spider-Man is good. I, I like Captain America's origin a lot, especially how they did in the movie. I like the idea that he was kind of a hero and had all these heroic qualities before he became, you know, this muscle-bound guy. And it was his it, it was his heart that made him the hero. Um, and I... But I guy I really liked, and you'll think I'm joking, but is Booster Gold. I always liked his origin. I think it's kind of cool that he was a, a time traveler and that he, he kind of stole all these different uh, uh, superhero gadgets from a museum in the future and travel back in time to try to become famous. And, and they, they kind of play around with how much of a hero and how much of a showman he, he is. I, I, my favorite Booster Gold, even though I, I really love Justice League International though was 52. I thought he was really great in 52. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll go with Booster Gold. Kate Kane is probably my ultimate favorite origin story, even next to Batman's one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Next to Batman or above Batman? Above probably. Because wow. she, she's a she's a terrible life, having her sister murdered, quote unquote, <laughs> in front of her and. You know, the whole thing with West Point and the military and all that stuff. So, uh, probably Kate Kane. All right. So, Alex continues. Uh, what is your favorite superhero movie or TV theme song? My favorite movie theme is from The Mask of the Phantasm. Um, and TV theme is the Batman Beyond theme. So, um, I'm just going to beat Tim to the punch and say the Batman <laughs> the Animated Series theme is my favorite. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll just go the theme that it's based off of. Danny Elfman's <laughs> Batman <laughs> theme. I mean, it's between that and uh, John Williams' Superman theme. But to me, Batman just edited it out just a bit. Yeah. I just love the, this theme song for the Tim Burton movies. And don't know why they got rid of it 
or Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. But maybe it was a good thing, so it wasn't associated with that movie. Yeah. But you know what? It's always lacking in, like, all the Marvel superhero movies. And, well, DC hasn't put out any besides uh, the Dark Knight trilogy and Man of Steel. But none of those superhero movies have good theme songs that are just real catchy and fit, fit to them like Superman's and Batman's did in their first movies. Yeah, and you know who's got great theme songs is the, the DC direct-to-DVD to movies. And uh, even uh, Kevin Smith, Batman on Batman, has an interview with the, the guy who writes the music yeah. for it. And he talked about how, like, do the, the the name of the hero would be the the beat of the music. And then for Green Lantern, it was the whole oath is the, the beat and stuff. So that's if you're into theme music, that's a great podcast to listen to. And, um, yeah, they, they, they always have great music for the DC theme. Yeah. But uh, Alex's Batman Beyond choice is really good, too. Cause... Yes. And um, Dane, there there is no Batwoman movie yet. You can't pick that theme, but unless you wrote one for her in tribute, so yeah. um, not so much a theme song, but in general, the entire soundtrack, the Under the Red Hood soundtrack, I really, really like that one. So, so that's my choice. Cool. All right, and then Alex continues with, uh, what do you find the most appealing aspect about superheroes? How much do superheroes influence your enjoyment of a story? Personally, the less superpower used, the better for me. And, um, you know, I don't know. I just always liked superheroes since I was a kid, and I just think it's it's good storytelling. Um, same reason why people, you know, 2,000 years ago in Greece listened to stories about Zeus and Hercules, and, you know, it's just um, appeals to us on some kind of level. Um, and I don't really care if it's powers or not. I mean... A good writer can tell it either way, so it's, you know, uh, totally the writing. So that, that doesn't really affect me either way. Um, how about you guys? Yeah, I kind of agree with you, too. Just the imagination that it took to create these great characters and stories is, like, just something that really, I guess, appeals to me is that having the ideas to get <laughs> these characters written down just be so original when they first came out and then just having to be good, too, and get your own imagination going while you're reading these stories. It's just really great and enjoyable when you're reading them, for me, anyway. And then just for the hero aspect, um, the powers, I would say that I like having these heroes with superpowers. And that way it kind of makes Batman more special where he's one of the few who doesn't have superpowers, but he can go toe-to-toe with pretty much anyone who does have powers, especially on a mental level. <laughs> he can pretty much outsmart anyone if he wants to. But So, yeah, I, I kind of like the stories where as long as it's unique and different. I know it's kind of hard to do now if you're trying to create any new superhero to have their own unique power, but I like the ones with a different type of power that you don't see too often. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, what's the question? I'm sorry. Uh, what is it that appeals to you about superheroes, and um, do you like the stories where they use too much superpowers influence the story? Alex doesn't like it when they, they use too much superpowers in a story. But does that affect your enjoyment of it? Uh, the most appealing aspects about superheroes for me is, uh, and, and this didn't occur to me until I was an adult, was A, like Batman, for instance, why does he go out and beat up bad guys? You know, why why do that with your spare time? I mean, you could be, you'd be doing like 10 million other things. And two, uh, most appealing is probably their flaws. You know, all the superheroes have flaws because, you know, every strength is 
also kind of like a form of weakness in a sense. You know, Bruce Wayne can go out, beat up bad guys, but he he lives this shell of a life where he doesn't have a personal life. He doesn't have connections in his life and stuff like that. So probably that. And yeah, superpowers don't really influence my enjoyment of the story. Just as long as the the writer or whoever doesn't use that as a crutch. You know, it's like I don't know how to get so and so out of this predicament. Let's just use his superpowers to bust him out of the place or whatever. You know? Yeah, and that can be done too, even without. Like I remember one of the first Nightwing issues of the New Fifty Two. They used the suit too much. It was like they put him in something. He's like, oh well, my suit will just emit a the opposite frequency and save me here. And I was like, what is this? You know? So. Yeah, that's bad writing. If, if, anybody interested in superheroes and why they appeal to people, Grant Morrison's got that book, which I haven't read the whole thing. All right, and here's the last part of Alex's email, which is a tough one for you, Tim. Okay, finally, a question for Tim. Would you rather own the Luke lightsaber prop from The Empire Strikes Back or a cow from The Dark Knight? I'm not even a Star Wars fan, and the answer is obvious. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Uh, you sure that wasn't from Dane? Because that sounds like one of his questions. <laughs> well, hey Tim, he, Tim, before you answer, okay, was the Empire Strikes Back uh, lightsaber hilt the one that went to space? The one that went to space? Yeah, the astronauts took it up with them. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> or was it another movie? Uh, yeah, I don't remember. No. Okay, you can give your answer to Alex. No. Yeah. Well, sorry to make it so obvious, but yeah, I'm probably gonna have to go with the lightsaber. Just, there's so many different Batman cows, too. I I wouldn't know which one to choose from. Probably the Michael Keaton one, just because I, I think that's the perfect length of the ears. But, uh, yeah, I'd probably have to go with the lightsaber. <laughs> but if uh, I had to choose a lightsaber, it would be uh, Obi-Wan's from Episode One. I think that's the coolest lightsaber handle. If you knew how many of the plastic toys I had of that lightsaber handle. <laughs> I'd go with Darth Maul's double lightsaber. I always liked that one. I thought that was so cool when that first came out. Um, the... Um, uh, lightsaber that went in space was the one from the 1977 original Star Wars film. Oh, I see. It was aboard the, the Space Shuttle Discovery. But was it Obi-Wan's or Luke's? Luke's. It was Luke's. Yeah. It wasn't Luke's. It was Anakin's. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Get straight. <laughs> but you know what? One of the greatest moments of my life was in the uh, Phantom Menace when they... Uh, when it first started, when I first saw it, and they take their lightsabers and they start melting the door, because yeah. it was like, finally, they're doing something with it. Like, it's not just like a sword fight, just, you, you like, because as a kid, you'd always watch it and just be like, why don't they just cut a hole in the thing here? Why don't they do this? You know, and so to see that, like, come to life was pretty awesome. Um, in our listener feedback section, we do have a question from my wife for you guys, and, um, Tim has mentioned uh, before that he was going to the 311 concert and that he plays the bass. Um, so basically, the question for you guys is, what kind of music do you like? Tim's kind of went on that a little bit here. And um, since you do play the bass, who are some of your favorite bass players or bass players you, you em emulate and look up to? Yeah, so music-wise, I'm definitely a rock guy. <laughs> Display like different styles of rock music, but um, so my favorite bass players would probably be uh, Paul McCartney. Uh, what he, some of the bass lines he did when the Beatles is awesome, and the, to sing and play the bass too. Some of the stuff he was doing on that it just really, I mean, he's just he's just great. <laughs> That's all there is to it. And then 311's bass player Peanut, <laughs> uh, 
He's, he does a slap bass style, which is awesome. I just love that style, like that funk slap, the bass lines and stuff. He just does some awesome stuff on there. Usually, recently, every concert that for 311, he has a bass solo, and he just does some crazy cool stuff. I remember I went to one, like, arena concert, and he just walked around the whole arena just slapping that bass, doing all these cool bass riffs, and all the fans, like, were all around him taking pictures. They just wouldn't stop doing these cool bass notes. So, yeah, him and Paul McCartney are probably one of my favorite bass players. Yeah, you know, I'm not a big 311 fan, but the other day that song Amber was on the radio, mm-hmm. And I know I was going to ask you this question, and that's got a really good bass line in it, too. I was, I haven't heard that uh, uh, in a long time. but um. All right, so I guess we can get into some comic book reviews. And uh, first off, this is going to be very spoilery, so if you haven't read the comics yet, you might want to come back to this part later. Or um, if you want to be spoiled, you know, you can listen on, too. There's no problem with that, right, Tim? Of course not. If that's your thing. If that's your thing. Um, but for this episode, we're covering, covering the weeks of June 5th and June 12th. For June 5th, we have Detective Comics number 21 Batwing, and Batwing number 21. For June 12th, we have Batgirl number 21, Nightwing number 21, and Batman number what, Tim? 21. How did I guess yeah, that? Right. <laughs> you are right. You are right. And our rating scale is going to be uh, duplicate John Crook baseball cards that Terrence got from his grandpa who went digging in the tops. <laughs> the trash bins. <laughs> <laughs> the tops dumpsters or whatever. Um, so, for June 5th, um, you know what? Let, let's start it off with... Um, tech number 21, because I don't have a lot to say about it, and I, I don't know what you guys have to say about it, but uh, filler, crap. Uh, <laughs> best part of the issue was uh, Harper Row, and yeah, yeah. I guess it was good to see a flashback to um, uh, the, the zero issue of, uh, was it, it was Dark detective. Knight? No, it was Detective. Oh, it was Detective. Yeah. Um, I guess it was good to, to see a flashback of that, but but what they did with that character is so ridiculous. <laughs> it's so over the top that, you know, it's it's just cheesy. <laughs> uh, so I'm probably going to give this uh, probably about a one, uh, one duplicate John Cruck baseball card that Terrence's grandpa picked out of the top dumpster out of five. <laughs> If there's only one, though, could it be a duplicate? Does he need two duplicates? <laughs> rip it in half and then... Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, it's only worth 12 cents, so <laughs> you, know, you might as well keep six cents while you give the other six cents away, right? Well, I guess um, you can't score anything as a one in this comic book review section. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but Tim, yeah, what did you think about it? Yeah, well, I agree with you that it was filler, but at the same time, I thought it was good filler. I actually like this issue, because if you guys remember, I gave the Detective Comics number zero a five out of five. I really love that story that they told there. And I'm actually glad to see it continue in a small way, but I hope this isn't it, because I think there's some good story potential with Batman and this character, uh, Mio or Mayo. I'm probably butchering it, but uh, the fact that she's still alive and that she's went to... Like she became an apprentice, kind of with the Rachel Ghoul. Uh, you didn't, they didn't reveal that was him in the beginning, but they did reveal it in the end. But I always kind of suspected that it was him there. But like you said, Dane, the only weakness I think about it was that she was a little bit over top her new powers. 
where she, I wish, would, wish they would have kept it where she was a ninja still, very stealthy, and she could have some of these shadow powers, but use them in a different way and not make her look so, like, extravagant and just, like you said, over the top, where she doesn't even look like a ninja or the same person anymore. I just didn't like her design. They should have just kept her in the same old stealthy classic ninja outfit, but with some new powers that she learned under Rachel Ghoul. Yeah, can I cut in real fast right here? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we have some hope for the next storyline because, I mean, Roz is at the end, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe we maybe. have some hope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I haven't liked Detective in over two years, or almost two, over two years. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think you're right, but, man. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm just hoping for something good. <laughs> well, yeah, for me, this one definitely took away from some of the bad taste that was Emperor Penguin and that whole storyline. Like you said, it was good to see Harper Row again. I just like that they're slowly building that bat, and it's kind of accepting her as, not as a partner yet, but he's kind of accepting her help. He really didn't get mad at her and kind of, in his way, thanked her for helping, her, helping him out this time. And at first, at the end, where it looked like, uh, the ninja assassin uh, Mio or Mayo <laughs> died. I thought, oh, what a waste. This character, I think, has potential to be a good villain for Batman to go against since she's from his past and they had a relationship together. And to kill her off into this one sequence that I thought was kind of weak how she went, I thought would have been a waste. But thankfully, she survived and Rachel Gould kind of put her, uh, I guess, took her, I want to say prisoner, but he's gonna have to discipline her and keep her out of action for a while for failing her mission so but because she didn't realize that batman was bruce but batman knew it was her and i think it would make for a better story when she does find out that batman is bruce and that's what he's become so i'm hoping they have another encounter together because i think there's some good story potential there but the backup was kind of forgettable with uh kirk langstrom and man bat so far ever since that batman or detective 19 slash trying to be 900 story with him I don't think he's been handled too good in the new 52, and this backup didn't do anything that changed that. But overall... Man, another thing... Okay. Another thing about... um, Have you seen Francine's lips? No, but... No. Something I... Check out that last shot. That that last shot, that last panel. Right. Her lips are like... <laughs> okay, now what are you talking about? <laughs> They're rushing to get the last page in, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but anyway, bad lip drawings aside, <laughs> uh, I overall enjoyed this issue, and I'm going to go ahead and give it three out of five duplicate John Truck, John Cruck trading cards. All right. So um, first off, the cover. Did, did anybody notice the cover looks very similar to Detective Comics number nine? It's the same angle, same like almost pose of figures falling that was like the the night of the owls um crossover and that was a tony daniels cover i don't know if that just was a coincidence or they were kind of going for that um this was kind of forgettable um just because like when when dane even said oh detective comics 21 i was kind of like what was that again what what happened in that um but uh i have a question for you guys in Detective here, you know, Batman calls Alfred Penny One. Does he, am I missing that? Does he call him Penny One in any other book, or is that just like a Detective Comics thing? I want to say he does, because I do remember him calling him that on several occasions. But you might be right, it is just Detective, but I'm not 100% sure. 
Yeah, it just seems weird. He always called him Alfred. I you figured he'd be on a secure line that he could just call him Alfred. If not, then Penny One is not really the greatest covert <laughs> name that's gonna like really hide his <laughs> thing. Like, you know, um well I'm just gonna call you A Pennyworth. No, no, wait. Alfred P. <laughs> you ever see the, the Simpsons where yeah. Homer does that? <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, but it was cool to see Harper Rowe in this book. Although I do the end where Batman kind of accepts her and um, gives her like her, her tools back. I, I almost feel like that should be in a Scott Snyder book, not in Detective. But anyway, it was it was good to see. Um, and... Yeah, hopefully it'll there'll be more with this girl since Batman's girlfriend in The Dark Knight is now dead. That he he's free to date again, so maybe we'll we'll see some more. Um, and uh, the backup story, I um, you know I, I I wasn't feeling the backup story. I mean, how many times do we see this where like there's a couple they're in Gotham. They're eating breakfast, watching the TV. Then it comes up like horrible murder committed last night. And the one guy's like, oh, excuse me, I got to go and runs out of the room like that's like a dead giveaway. <laughs> like I've seen that, you know, and then uh, I don't know if it was just the imagery to show it or but did he really have to drink the man bat serum like right in their bedroom while she's sleeping? Like when did that wake her when he so when she transforms into a huge monster, um, but <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like it's a weird place to take it. Um, but um, you know that was kind of forgettable. So um, overall, it was an okay issue. So I'll give it three duplicate John Cruck baseball cards that my grandfather pulled out of the garbage. Pulled out of the garbage. <laughs> yeah. So 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 he would just go around and just take stuff from people's garbage. Yeah, yeah, it drove my oh. grandmother nuts because she was not like that at all, and she'd just be like, get rid of it. And I felt bad, like my dad said growing up, like <laughs> like he'd come home and be like, hey, I got you a new bike, or hey, I got you, you know, a glove or something my dad wouldn't know, and then like he'd go outside and play with it, and kids would be like, ha, I threw that out like a week ago, <laughs> you know, and so <laughs> it was not a good childhood. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, Batwing number 21. I don't know about you guys, but um, it's really hard to tell where Palmiotti and Gray are taking this book because, I mean, yeah, this is their first storyline, but I mean, are they going the supernatural route? Are they going with the realism route? You know, what are they doing? Because we just got, like, a Minotaur lion. I think the safest thing to say is they're going guys. I think the thing to say is they're going the Batman Beyond route. <laughs> That's the biggest yeah. vibe yeah. I get when, after reading these first two issues, but... The new Batwing and the new creative team. Yeah, my, my big complaint with uh, Batwing now, um, yeah, the story is a little out there, but, you know, it, it, it makes for good comic reading, is what I would say about the story. Um, I mean, especially with that Minotaur lion, whatever that is. I mean, things must be really, really bad in Africa, because, I mean, not only are there, like, <laughs> militia, uh, corrupt government, disease. But there's also like Minotaur lions that that are running around apparently. But you know, I I, I kind of like where this story is going. Um, I think it's going in the right direction. I'm not sure about that. But my biggest complaint about Palmiotti and Gray's story is uh, when when Luke goes back to to his house and Luke, they're they're not really doing anything with Lucius. It's more of the same. It's more of the are you getting back? Are you going back to college? Are you going to take that internship at Wayne Enterprises or? Or whatever, you know. I wish there was just something more 
to that. You know, I, I wish it wasn't just like, okay, Luke walks into the room, his dad is sitting there doing some work, and Lucius asks, are you going back to school? Or are you going to take that internship? You know, whatever. And I wish there was more with his family and with that girlfriend. I wish there was a little more of that in um, in the previous issues because I, I feel like they, I mean, they introduced his his sister, his little sister, who's apparently a genius, and they kind of just threw her in there, and it's kind of like, who who is that? And it's like, oh, I, I guess that's his little sister. So I wish there was more family stuff, I guess you would call it, you know, in, in battling. So uh, I'm probably going to give this uh, probably a three out of five John, duplicate John Cruck baseball cards that ter- Terrence's grandfather <laughs> picked out of the trash because he likes uh, garbage picking. <laughs> yeah, so far two issues in, I'm really not getting into the new Batwing, despite his very cool costume. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to be saving the story for me because I just keep getting that Batman Beyond vibe, and it is all too familiar for me. But even that villain, Lion Mane, I think is the name of it, uh, you do kind of see something like that in Batman Beyond where they had that Splicers episode where these teenagers kind of infuse these, like, animal like DNA to have these, like, animal looks to them. Then the creator takes more of those uh, virus. It's not a virus, but I guess more of the the formula that creates the splicer technology, and he comes like this big old monster. That kind of gave me that vibe with this too, where it's kind of a supernatural type thing, and it's something you would see in some Batman Beyond episodes, like that episode Splicers. So, and then the whole family dynamic that he's having there—it's a little different than Terry's because he only had his mom and his brother, but it's kind of the same principle. He's getting—he uh, has a argument with his girlfriend, like Terry usually does with Dana, because he has to protect his secret identity. So that seems familiar, and then the arguments he's having with his family, keeping this secret, and that Lucius is being mad at his like career decisions, not really listening to what he thinks is the right career move for him. So all this stuff just seems too familiar for me, and I'd rather read more Batman Beyond stories with Terry and an older Bruce Wayne, because you even get Bruce mentoring him a little bit through the computer, kind of monitoring what he's doing on his mission. So it still just feels very... Batman Beyond, too much like Batman Beyond for me. It doesn't have it down its own voice yet, and I just find myself missing the old Batwing with David. I just really wish they would have stuck more with him. So, yeah, this new creative team, new Batwing, this new story just hasn't grabbed me yet. So I'm just going to go ahead and give it just a two out of five duplicate John Crook cards that Terrence's grandfather picked out of the trash. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so with that story, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that the Minotaur Lion is a blood diamond dealer. Uh, maybe in the first <laughs> issue or the first part of the story they mentioned that, but I forgot about it if they did because I really yeah, don't care too, too much about this villain. So, not only does Africa have warring tribes, rebels, disease, corrupt government, but they have. A lion minotaur that's a blood diamond dealer. Man. <laughs> and yeah, I think Batman pulled him out of Africa, too. Like, that was just his training. To see yeah, he see pulled him out of Africa. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Damn you, Tim. You just got to bring me down. <laughs> it's the one positive thing I had to say <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> uh, probably the one negative I had to say. <laughs> uh, I just It kills me because that suit's so cool, but <laughs> it's not yeah. saving the issue. <laughs> 
Uh, Terrence, what did you think? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you guys. Um, and the I, I had the feeling with the issue that just a lot of stuff was just like retreads of other things that I read. You know, the lion kind of looked like Thundercats or something like that. And the way he defeats the lion by having the sort of Batmobile thing that he drives, I don't know what he, if there's a name for it, like hit him. I was like, hey, that's Batman's moving injustice, God's among us, you know, to have yeah. <laughs> Batmobile come in. And then the one thing I did like, he mentions he gets that, like, pepper spray that's made from, like, a scorpion, and he's like, it rates $2 million on the Skullville uh, heat unit. And I just seen that on the Food Network. They were talking about, like, hot foods and the Skullville unit. I'm like, hey, I know what that is. So, um, But then, um, then the scene, you know, comes next. The scene with the girlfriend was just, totally Batman beyond, uh, you know, it was just exactly with Terry and Dana. And then the, the lion is trapped with a mask on his face in a plane. And the, the takedown reminded me a lot of the opening of the dark Knight rises. Just, um, instead of descending from cables, the, the ship, you know, just latched right on. Um, guys in which, bug suits. <laughs> yeah. The bug suits. Yeah. Which Dane from your podcast last week, yeah, you were right. One of the guys hits his head in the Dark Knight Rises. I, I never noticed that before. Yeah, and yeah, it's kind of funny to see. Like he hit his feet first and then bounced and hit his head, so it wasn't like a head first kind of thing. But yeah, yeah he didn't put out was, his arms. He didn't yeah. put out his arms to brace the impact. He just went head first straight into that, the side of that plane. <laughs> yeah, that had to hurt. <laughs> so um, then the whole thing with the family is just kind of. Like, okay, where are we going with this? Um, I did think it was cool that Lucius Fox did a TED Talk, or his, where Luke is like, yeah, I saw you on t- the TED Talk. And then the last panel with all the bugs around it reminded me a lot of, like, the Court of Owls and, and around Wayne Manor. So, you know, overall, it wasn't bad. It was okay, but it wasn't anything great either. So I'll, I'll give it um, three John Cruck uh, duplicate baseball cards that were uh, rescued out of the garbage and then put back in the garbage by me and my brother <laughs> when we got home. Yeah, you at least kept one though, right? Yeah, yeah, we kept a couple hundred. I think we, every kid in my neighborhood had like eight John Cruck cards. <laughs> or, or you could have been like, maybe, just maybe, John Cruck is gonna have like a Hall of Fame season from now on. Yeah. He's, gonna, <laughs> he's gonna like. This this card is going to go up in price. 20 years later, you're just a grumpy baseball tonight analyst. Yeah. <laughs> so, for June 12th, we have Batgirl number 21, Nightwing number 21, and Batman number 21. Let us start with Batgirl number 21. Uh, Terrence, what did you think about this one? Uh, this week, I only had a chance to read Batman 21 so far this week. So, Batgirl and Nightwing, I have not had a chance to read it. But, um... Okay. I, Look forward to what uh, you guys have to say about it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Tim, what did you think about it? Yeah, I actually really like this issue. I mean, from the first part of the story with the ventriloquist, I wasn't really too sold on the new ventriloquist and her story. But uh, this one has a real creepy feel to it when Barbara was at her house and just trying to find her because she still has a hostage and she finds these dead bodies of her parents. And yet she's still using those bodies as her parents, kind of like these puppets, and she's talking through them. But it was, he had a real creepy vibe going through this issue when Barbara's in her house. It's a good effect, too. But then also, I like how the issue started where Barbara's talking to Dick, trying to 
kind of, I guess, opened up to him on how she's feeling right now for killing her brother James Jr. and not really knowing how to deal with it. Dick's trying to be, like, the good friend trying to be there for her and telling her that she doesn't have to do this alone and that if she needs help, he's there. But, of course, Barbara says this is, like, something that no one can really help her right now is something that she has to deal with. I liked all that dialogue interaction she had with Dick, but I just felt uh, she changed her attitude real quickly after she hung up the phone with him because she hung up the phone and she was crying, and she's, like, not in a good emotional state right there, but then right after she looks back to normal and says, okay, now i got to find this ventriloquist and save the hostage, which I know, of course, she has to do as a hero, but, I don't know, just her mood changed too quickly, I thought, from being real sad and just crying and just feeling so alone and then to, okay, time to go out and find this criminal and save this hostage. This sounds a little strange to me that it would change that quick. But, um, yeah, like I said before, the whole sequence with her and the new ventriloquist's house was just played out really well. It was really creepy. And then just that little fight she had with uh, the new dummy who – it's not called Scarface. I'm blanking on his name if uh, the ventriloquist did give him a name or not. But, yeah, I did like how all that played out. But I thought it was going to last a little longer. I didn't think it would be just two issues because – Barbara was able to destroy the dummy and then subdue the ventriloquist and just save the hostage, and assumingly she goes back to Arkham. So it all wrapped up there, but I'm just really anxious to see more of the storyline between uh, Commissioner Gordon on the hunt for Batgirl, because there was a nice sequence in this issue where uh, Gordon's wife, Barbara, and Barbara's mother, she's leaving Gotham, and Gordon's trying to say, uh, kind of convince her to stay that maybe they should get through this together. And he just, like, tells her that I'm going to make James Killer pay and bring her to justice. I'm going to get Batgirl. So i just really anxious to see more of that story take center stage in future Batgirl issues where it's James Gordon on the hunt for Batgirl. I think it's going to make for some hopefully good storylines. But then the issue ended with uh, kind of a weak way, I thought, where Barbara forgets she has a date and she, like, in these casual clothes and not really caring about it and then, she opens the door and it's her date and that's how the issue ends. So I thought that was kind of a strange way to end this issue, but overall I really liked it. I thought it was definitely a step up from the ventriloquist story from the first part of this issue, which I really didn't get too much out of, but it turned out to be pretty good. So for this issue, I'm going to give it three and a half uh, duplicate John Krug trading cards that Terrence's grandfather got from the trash. Um. Okay, so how about we do Batman? Yeah, let's say Batman and, for uh, No, no, let, let's do Batman now. I want to do Batman now. <laughs> okay, you just can't wait. And, and remember, Tim, I'm better than you. You right, proclaimed right. that at the beginning of the <laughs> show, so, you know, you need to hold to that. You need to show me some respect, Tim. That is true. I said that. Oakland swept the Yankees. I have to accept that for this episode. No but respect. Just, just you wait. When the postseason, if they meet up and the Yankees sweep Oakland, it's going to be payback. <laughs> oh, God. It'll be, what, 2001, 2000 again? Yep. <laughs> you'll be up 2 nothing, and you'll still lose. <laughs> you just have to Jeter, remind me of that. Jeter made that great play <laughs> running yep. in all the way. In the the yeah. flip. <laughs> yep. Well, if it's any consolation, the A's in both seasons had better records than the Yankees. The Yankees just squeaked by. It doesn't mean a thing once you're in the postseason. Records mean nothing. (laughs) Come on, 102 games they won in 2001. And they couldn't get out of the first round. (laughs) Yeah, did you know that uh, Seattle won like 114 games that year? Yep, and guess who knocked them out? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm happy for that. I'm happy for that. Okay, 
<laughs> and when the Yankees uh, have the like best record in 1998, the best single season record, what they do? They won the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> you, and your, you and your big uh, payroll. <laughs> payroll that doesn't always bring championships. No, it doesn't. Because you guys pay like what is it like twelve million dollar dollars per win or something? <laughs> what? Yeah, but you know the thing is when they won those championships in the nineties, it was with their farm system with Pettit and Jeter and Rivera and Posada, and Bernie. once they started paying and Bernie Williams, and you know once they started paying for Gary Sheffield and A Rod, and that's when it kind of dried up. You know they. Yeah, they always had some extra money to spend on some players and stuff, but, you know, they won that with, like, Paul O'Neill and Scott Brocious, who the A's gave up on, former Rookie of the Year, you know, so. All right, so. <laughs> but I guess for, like, <laughs> Scott well, Snyder and Greg Capullo are kind of like the Yankees of the DC Comics world. <laughs> yeah, they have a big payroll. They pay a lot per win. Yeah. And, my God, what's wrong with them? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tim, why don't you take this? All right. So yeah, zero year has begun. <laughs> Definitely was intrigued to see how Scott Snyder is going to do Bruce Wayne's new origin story for the new Fifty Two. And this issue, it looks like it was mainly to set up for certain things that are going to build up in, I believe it's a twelve part or eleven part story arc, it's kind of similar to Court of Owls. So everything's getting set up here, and it starts off in a crazy way. It's like, man, what's going on? You see, like a fish swimming in the subway that's filled with water and like a kid's catching a fish there then you see these people with these masks yelling at this kid trying to catch him and then Batman stops him and he comes up on a motorcycle in, in his Batman outfit without a cape but he has like a backpack on some rope a crossbow and he has like the old classic purple gloves that he wore in his first appearance which I thought was a nice touch so he's like man what's going on and then it fast forwards to like five or it goes back five months earlier where you see Batman going up against the Red Hood gang that we first saw in Batman uh, Zero Issue. And of course he's not Batman yet, but Bruce has a, one of his many masks, maybe the early matches Malone, <laughs> going up against the Red Hood gang. And it was a pretty cool opening sequence where uh, the leader of the Red Hood gang, who I'm assuming is the Joker at this point, is threatening Batman because he has these hostages there and Batman's trying to free him, but uh, the Red Hood leader is saying, like, he can't escape. They're gonna, he's gonna kill everyone there. But I just love how Bruce made the uh, escape with the semi truck using a grapple and then on, uh, on a conveyor belt, he was able to connect it to there and then just hang the truck from there over the water and let everyone out and then the truck drops. But I thought that was a pretty cool action sequence that played out to start the issue with. But like I said, a lot of it's setting up stuff. You get, uh, Bruce and Alfred kind of, explaining how why Bruce is doing this and even though it's nothing new I'm still glad that Snyder's going the route for Bruce's motivation to be in Batman is that uh, so no one can go through what he went through that night of his parents murder and though he didn't mention there was a promise he made to his parents which is the, my favorite aspect of, of him wanting to be Batman I do like that part where he says that he's doing it so no one else can go could go through what he went through so I'm uh, glad Snyder had that in there and also, what I liked was that uh, Bruce's Uncle Philip makes a comeback into the DC continuity, which my first encounter with him, or not encounter, but exposure to Philip was in the Untold Legend of the Batman series, where uh, Bruce uh, gets taken in by his Uncle Philip, and he raises him for a while. 
So I haven't seen or read any other stories with Bruce's uncle since that story as a kid. So I thought it was pretty cool that Snyder's bringing him back into this continuity and having him part of Bruce's life. And just the flashbacks we got in this issue, too, I thought were pretty cool with Bruce's dad and Bruce kind of telling him why he loves Gotham and wants to be in that city. And also there was a nice touch that the hat he was wearing has a Robin logo on it. I'm wondering if we'll get an explanation to what that R really stands for, but I thought it was cool that Bruce's dad had it, but then Bruce now has it, and that's what he's wearing in this issue. Then we just get nice nods to certain things that Batman's going to have in the future, like the giant penny and some certain tech that he's going to use later on as Batman. So just cool little hints and stuff like that. And then there's a big reveal at the end that Bruce's Uncle Philip is in league with someone to try to... He pretty much says he's going to have to eventually kill Bruce, and it ends up that that person is the Riddler. And I just can't wait to read or what Scott Snyder's going to do with the Riddler because after what he did with the Joker and some of the what he did in Court of Owls and other villains that he's tackled, to, with Riddler, is kind of a hard villain to, I think, write for where he can really make some good riddles and threats to Batman that make him more threatening because it's, I would imagine for any writer to write for Riddler, it would be hard to think of these good riddles that are different and makes you think, which is the whole point of the character. So we'll see how it does, Snyder does with him, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. And then the backup was pretty cool, too, where we're seeing different aspects of Bruce's training. And the first one we're getting is how he learned to be such a great driver with the Batmobile, as he's using this criminal to teach him how to escape from the police and learn all these different driving moves. But I loved how Bruce kind of took this guy down at the same time when he finds out that this guy usually kills a lot of people and police officers. And just because he's training Bruce, Bruce isn't going to let him go for all the people who's killed. So once he's learned everything he needs, he takes this guy down and leaves him for the police. So I thought that was a pretty cool backup story. Uh, hopefully each backup has different aspects of Bruce's training to becoming Batman. So, yeah, overall this issue, I think it's laying down the groundwork for some of the stuff we can expect later on in the story. So I was happy with it. Definitely looking forward to see what Snyder has, has a sword for us in future issues. So I'm going to go and give it four out of five uh, duplicate John Crook cards that Terrence's grandfather got from the trash. I think it's off to a good start. Yeah, for me, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you, so, you weren't so. looking forward or didn't think it was the best idea. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the best idea, and I still don't think it's the best idea for the Batman book since that's... Well, in my opinion, the only Bat book that's, I mean, starring Batman that that's worth a damn. But, yeah, it, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Because, um, uh, well, I mean, first off, we have that scene with that fish, and the kid catches the fish and all that stuff. And I'm like, what's going on here? And it flashes back. And then, um, unfortunately, we're reminded of that zero issue that Scott Snyder did about um, the Red Hood Gang. The Red Hood Gang, and it's like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want the entire Zero Year to be focused on the, the Red Hood Gang because I didn't like the story then, and I don't like it now. But I feel that Scott Snyder redeems himself in a sense with the, um, with the whole thing with his uncle Philip, with Bruce's uncle Philip, and everything that's going on with um, uh, Wayne Enterprises and all that stuff. Kind of takes a page from. Uh, Batman Begins, but, yeah. I mean, hey, you, you might as well, right? You might as well. Yeah, his uncle Philip is like Mr. Earl in Batman Begins. Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost exactly like it, except for that whole Riddler thing. Um, but 
what I really found I um, I gravitated towards with this issue, and I really liked with this issue, was the the whole thing with um, Bruce and his dad. It's like, why do you love Gotham? I think the question was right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, it was just seeing Bruce talk with his dad. You know, Bruce as a kid, and you know, his dad is young. And it's not some you know, tragic thing. It's not, you know, the last conversation they had before they got, before Thomas and Martha Wayne got shot. It's just like, it seems like a, just a random moment between father and son, which is what I was really kind of looking for and was really what I uh, appreciated about that whole scene. And, um, I just like how that kind of led into the, um, the whole thing about the, the how Wayne Enterprises is going into guns and how Philip is masterminding this plan and um, just ending with the Riddler was was amazing. I mean, <laughs> I kind of didn't even expect that because I, yeah, I mean, either. honestly, haven't I haven't been keeping up with Batman news at all. <laughs> uh, besides what's posted on the site and. Um, I, for one, didn't know that. I mean, I didn't catch on to the the, the Riddler staff on on the wall, hanging on the wall, and then uh, I was like, "Who's Philip talking to, and who's he masterminding with, and who uh, who's saying that um, Philip should have Bruce killed?" And then just flipping that page and seeing the Riddler was amazing. I I, I just loved that. I think we're due for a Riddler story, or at least you know the hints of one. My only complaint is that uh, Capullo's Riddler kind of looks like the Jim Carrey Riddler, which I I can't get into at all. I just can't get into Jim Carrey's Riddler. Well, as long as all. the guys are pink, I'll be okay. <laughs> and wear that white suit, yeah. <laughs> that white spandex, <laughs> one piece. Um, but yeah, overall, I liked it. I love this issue. I I didn't think I would like it, as I've said before, and as you you've heard, and by you, I mean Alex and. Uh, What's that guy's name? Richie. Richie. <laughs> um, yeah, I I really liked it. I I like what he's doing with Philip and Wayne Enterprises, even though it's kind of a ripoff of Batman Begins. But you know, I can go with it because he he's doing something else with it. There's there's this big master plan that Philip is doing with um, with Riddler, so I can go for that. And I, I I like where it's going. And as long as there's more scenes with with Bruce and his dad, not, you know, oh, this is the last time we talked, or this is, you know, when my dad scolded me f- for, you know, doing something, and I never got over that, and stuff like that, you know, uh, just as long as there's more of that, you know, I can appreciate that, and, and you know, ending on the, uh, Bruce discovering the Batcave, um, I don't know how you felt felt about that, Tim, but I want to say I like where it's going because I know Scott Snyder is going to do something completely different with it. But I'm just holding out to hope that he does something completely different with it. You know? <laughs> well, I think it's probably safe to say he's going to fall down in there somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's going to fall down in there. But when he's in there, I hope it's not just like Batman Begins, where yeah. uh, Thomas Wayne comes down and he's like, "Bruce, why do we fall?" You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't think <laughs> it'll be something. that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, if it's something different, you know, not the whole Bruce falls into the into the cave and gets attacked by bats, and that's why he's scared of bats kind of thing, you know? Just something different. Um, 
but yeah, I like this issue. Didn't think I was, but I do. So I'm probably going to give this one... You know what? I'm right with you, Tim. I'm going to give it four duplicate John Cruck baseball cards that Terrence's dad, grandfather, actually, um, fished out of the that old crusty dumpster that, <laughs> that has probably seen a lot of use. So, out of five. So, um... Yeah, Terrence, what did you think? Yeah, I was kind of uh, very much in agreement with you guys. Um, you know, this is the first issue of the Zero Year storyline, and no one has knocked uh, Scott Snyder for how he started sno- stories. Uh, everything, his criticism has been on the conclusions. Um, and I was a little underwhelmed in this story, even though I did like it. Um, starts off really intriguing, like why are these fish in the, in the subway? What happened to Gotham? Batman shows up on the motorcycle. A good call on the purple gloves, Tim. I didn't even notice that till you said that. So I was I was really intrigued of like what's going on here. You know, there's some imagery of like a tiger eye on the next page. The only problem was in the issue they never go back to it. They never, you know, come back to it. Now I'm sure in two years when this is in trade paperback, it probably won't even be noticeable. But I felt a little let down in the issue that they never came back to this and why he's on the motorcycle and what happened to Gotham. And I know in due time, it'll all be answered. But as for this, just this issue, I felt a little let down for that. Uh, the scene with the Red Hood gang, I thought was really cool. Um, and then um, I felt after that, it kind of kind of dragged a little bit. There was a lot of dialogue with Bruce and Alfred and his uncle Um that just I, w- I was kept going. Well, let's get back to some action. Let's get back to what's going on with the motorcycle. So for me, that just kind of it just kind of moved real slow. Uh, I did like the uncle aspect. You know, he's probably going to get killed or turn out to be a bad guy since we don't see him anymore. Uh, but uh, I always wondered, like, what was the rest of Bruce's family? You know, how come that he didn't have an uncle or an aunt or somebody who to raise him? Why did the butler raise him? You know, and and even if no one really loved him or cared about him you figure some uncle or cousin or somebody would try to get custody of him just to get control of his money um and i'd like oh, we'll hey, just, yeah can, can i just interrupt you really really fast sure um was philip um the guy that showed up at wayne manor right before bruce showed up from uh or or when he came back to Gotham after training, you know, and he's talking with Alfred. Yeah, is that him? That's him, right? Uncle Philip. Yeah, oh, I'm looking okay. at it right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good call. I totally forgot about that. That was the part of the backup issue for Court of Yeah, Alfred, yeah, the backup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe he'll be around. Um, but um, you, you like Dayton said, I really like the stuff uh, with um, Bruce and his father. That was really good. Um, and it. it it's good because they're both likable. Like a lot of times they'll do Bruce as just this spoiled little rich brat, you know, breaking his toys and complaining and, and stuff. And this, they, they were really likable. They were really kind of realistic. Um, and, um, so, and then it kind of ended, I, I thought strong with the Riddler. I, I thought that was really good. Um, and then the backup story, um, I really like that one a lot. Um, Raphael Albuquerque done a lot of American vampire art. Um, and in fact, the last panel looks right out of the, the fifties American vampire. But I, I really thought that was a really good little, um, backup story. Kind of gives some idea of how Bruce became a great driver, but then he, you know, sticks to his morals and 
punches the guy out at the end so the cops can get him. Um, so I, I kind of enjoy that. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to this. And I'm going to give it three and a half John Cruck duplicate baseball cards that were fished out of the garbage and given to my brother and I. <laughs> All right, so I guess we can get into some Nightwing. And Tim, I hate to say it, but you're the only one that read it. Okay, well, maybe that's a good thing, because then what I say counts, and that's final. <laughs> no disagreements. <laughs> okay. But, uh, yeah, so continuing Nightwing's adventures in Chicago. I have to say, I didn't know what to expect when the storyline was first announced, but I'm really enjoying it overall. There's this kind of this mystery going around where Chicago used to have some heroes, but now they're all gone. And we kind of got a look as to what happened to one of them. There's this hero called, uh, I think it was Slipshift, where uh, he's already noticing that there's other heroes disappearing, and he's saying that he's still going to be there and he's not going to go anywhere. But then he ends up getting murdered and shot from behind the back by some mysterious person in the shadows. So it looks like the reason why there are no heroes in Chicago is someone is taking him out. So... I like that mystery involving the whole Heroes of Chicago things. This caught my attention. But uh, the Nightwing story in this, the last, last issue left off where he was trapped by the prankster. And the only way for him to get out of this trap was him to take off his mask because the tranker was able to hack in his systems and blind him through his mask. So the only way to get out was him to take it off. But, of course, thanks to his training by Batman, he's able to find another way and break out of there and take down the prankster. And I just like how Dick was able to manipulate this guy and to first to talk him into because the cops eventually come in and has them both cornered. And he had, Dick has the prankster tied up, and he's all like, "The only way for him to get out is if I untie you, and we're able to get out of here." So he able has he's able to give him a deal where like, you bring back my vision, and I'll untie you, and I'll uh, let you go, and I won't get in your way. So Dick does that, and of course the prankster is gonna betray Dick and just escape himself. And it looks like he is within Dick, comes out of nowhere in typical Batman fashion where you think you've lost him, but then he ends up being right in front of you and Dick just knocks him out. And then he's able to get the information he wants out of him about Tony Zuko. But even though Dick says he'll stay out of his way if he tells him about Zuko, Dick still was one up on him where, yeah, he'll stay out of his way, but he leaves him handcuffed for the police. Kind of, yeah, I'll stay out of your way because you'll be in jail. So in a way, double-crossing... The prankster, but not quite double-crossing because what he did say is true. So I just like how Dick outsmarted this guy. And also like what they're doing with Tony Zuko because they're making him look like a good guy where he has a family now. He's married. He has this, he has this kid. I'm not sure why if it's like he married her and he had a son with her or if she already had a kid and he uh, married her afterwards. So they don't make that clear, but he does have a family. But he's reading in the newspaper why that there is a hero in Chicago and it's Nightwing and that has him worried. So he has uh, takes his family on a vacation just to get away. So it is kind of a mystery still what's up with Zuko. Why does he have this family? Is he still really bad or is there more to it? I just got the feeling that he's not going to be this all bad guy that Dick thinks he is and that maybe that won't bring... I don't know if Dick really wants to kill him. I don't think he does. But at least it's bringing the justice. But I just think he's end up going to be more of a good person than Dick initially thought. And it's going to lead to some moral decision on what to do about Tony Zuko. I think that's where it's leading. So, yeah, there's overall this uh, issue I thought was enjoyable. I like the uh, – I can't even talk right now. But <laughs> I like the interaction Dick had with the pranks or how he messed it up, the mystery around Tony Zuko and these heroes in Chicago. So it's all leading into a good story that I hope uh, – in the long run, pays off where they all intertwine together and comes to a satisfying conclusion. Because so far, 
Kyle Higgins is laying down some good story beats. That's definitely has my attention and looking forward to see how they all get wrapped up. So, yeah, this issue was good. going to go ahead and give it uh, three out of five duplicate John Krug trading cards that Terrence's grandfather had to dig out out of the trash. So, yeah, definitely enjoying the Dick and Chicago story. All right, that's going to wrap up the comic reviews and episode 32 of the Batman's podcast. So thanks, everyone, for listening. As usual, you can check out our host site, the Batman Universe at thebatmanuniverse.net, on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse, and on Twitter at batmanuniverse. And also you can find us on iTunes where uh, you can review us, which would be much appreciated. We always appreciate the feedback that you guys leave us on there. So go ahead and do that. And also any feedback, questions, or emails, you can send them to uh, thebatfans27 at gmail.com. And with that, I think that's about it. Unless you got any final words, Terrence? No, I was just going to say, send us an email. Let us know what you thought about Man of Steel. Let us know what you thought about Zero Hour. Let us know what you think about our musical tastes. Uh, we want to we hear from you. So uh, this is the part where Dane says everything will be all right. So, he says um, that he loves you. <laughs> yes. So every, everything will be okay, I guess. Unless you're General Zod, then not so good. No. <laughs> it's hard to be good when you're next. <laughs> yeah. But it was just fun. <laughs> First the Phantom Zone, then that. Yeah. All right. So uh, I guess we'll see everyone next time. Thanks for listening. All right, Tim. Uh, thanks. Sorry about the uh, little delay there in the beginning. Uh, yeah.